We know something Gene mean. That's a very important question you just asked. Our strategy plan is this. Me and my team, Daddy-O, we drink gallons upon gallons, but even more gallons of Agent Orange. We're going to survive through the mean jungles of Andrew the Giant and his stinky, stinky team, Jack. If you don't believe me, Bam Bam Beverly, tell him, Jack. I'm bringing the fire, brother. I got the fire, and they're all going to get burnt. Andre, gang, we're coming for you. And if you don't believe me, look at Bam Bam Beverly. Look at Jason Mann. Look at Captain Obvious. <laughs> we got all these members of the team. We're, we've been drinking Agent Orange, Code Red, Mountain Dew, Mellow Yellow. It doesn't matter. Because what you going to do, Andre the Giant? What you going to do when Main Event Status Radio rumbles all over you? From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, you downloaded Main Event Status Radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog Gobble, gobble, gobble. Welcome, everyone, to Main Event Status Radio. It's officially November. It's the turkey month. We got me, Mr. Beverly Hills, joined, as always, by the main man, the captain of the Main Event Status ship, Dirty Dog Darcy. How you doing, buddy? Gobble, 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 gobble. That was a good turkey. Gobble, 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 gobble. Oh, oh. Now it's kind of like a phlegm turkey. I don't know about that. <laughs> what can I say, Jack? I like it. It's November. We're in Minnesota. We're just getting a little bit cold. It's it's cold today, man. I'm freezing. I noticed on Facebook today, Jack, before we got on, that how a couple of my friends on Facebook noted the top 25 coldest well-known towns in America. Yeah. And also, I mentioned before on previous episodes, I live in right here in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Yay! That we are number three of the top oh, 25. Really? Yeah, I think we're the top Minnesotan town, too, what they claimed. Oh. And I don't think I saw Beverly Hills, Minnesota on the, on the <laughs> list, Beverly. Beverly Hills, Minnesota. I love it. So, as usual, after every WWE pay-per-view with Beverly Hills, I assumed you <laughs> watched Hell in a Cell last weekend. Oh, man. You know, I know this is going to sound crazy, but no, I didn't. Darn. <laughs> did now. Did you hear- actually, 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 I did throw on the part, um, <clears throat> the end of the Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins match because I wanted to see the ghost Bray Wyatt. Okay, well, what, what is your thoughts about it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it works for him. At least it's not like, um, I don't, at least he didn't like come out of the, the hologram or whatever. It's just like it was there and he used it as like a distraction. So I can believe that. That cause yeah. Cause I also wanted to talk about hell in a cell since Usually after every pay-per-view, I usually would like to talk about it a little bit. 
Uh, that's about the Bray Wyatt hologram thing. It may, now it makes sense why that match may have entered the show, since I'm sure you noticed too that how, you know, with the, the dry eye smoke thing that was coming out of the ring, how there was a little cut opening right there too. Sure. That, so it makes sense to have that be the last match of the night, since it'd be kind of hard to, you know, help and cover that up, you know, for the rest of the night. Sure. Yeah. But I did feel like that match, the Hell in a Cell match between Ambrose and Rollins, was, I felt like, a lot better than the Cena-Orton match. Yeah. Because, but, you know, Cena and Orton did do a decent match to what, you know, you know and all that, but they've, you know, wrestled who knows how many times, so they've, know, they know each other very, very well. But, I felt like, uh, I felt like uh, Cesaro, not Cesaro, Ambrose and Rollins, it was, was similar to Undertaker Mankind. Okay, yeah. We went through the fall of the cell and Yeah. You know, then you know, first one with Michaels how, you know, Kane came in and all that, how White came in and snuck in somehow and all that fun jazz. Yeah. I just felt like that was a decent match. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this I again I didn't see him so I don't really know him, but Yeah, I feel like the two out of three falls match for the Intercontinental title at, at the start of the night with Ziggler and Cesaro was a the probably the best way to open up the show open up the show. Yeah. Cesaro, Cesaro did a couple of amazing spots. So Beverly if you have I think the match was like between fifteen and twenty minutes, so if you have some time for the next couple of weeks I think that'd be probably the best best match to watch. Sure. Then uh yeah yeah, you know, yeah, so I thought all the matches were okay. The pay per view was okay for twenty fourteen. Okay. Uh, I thought it was well worth my nine nine ninety nine a month. And I don't feel like this pay-per-view was hurt for there not being a WWE title match. Okay. Now, especially if they closed matches, closing the show with matches like Ambrose and Rollins, I really don't feel like the WWE title is needed every month or every other month. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the, the whole idea of the network makes that um, a more palatable thing to not have the... Uh, not have the title on every month. I think having it where, you know, I'm only spending $10 plus I'm getting all this other content. Maybe I don't need to see a title match over, you know, with this week, they released the financial report that the network has been doing so poorly. Um, I saw an idea and I don't know who, who, uh, put it out there on Twitter, but I liked it. Um, they need to like do some connecting, I think with their new and old stuff. So like, Maybe Lesnar's not on the pay-per-view, but you, you know, you use that week to like, oh, here are some classic Brock Lesnar matches, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. Or, you know, or, you know, since they're doing a free month for November, you know, for Survivor Series, why not do Survivor Series-based matches? Yeah, I agree. Because I can't remember, I think it was 92... 91, no, it would have been 91 where I think the last Survivor Series match was a three-on-three match. Yeah. So you don't have to do all five-on-five or four-on-four matches or like what we see on what we're reviewing tonight, a five-team against five-team match, which I know they don't have ten tag teams now, but you don't have to do the traditional four-on-four or five-on-five. Right. So you could do a multi-man or multi-woman match and go from there. Since, you know, what we're covering tonight, Hulk Hogan 
was the WWF champion and he didn't defend the title. Yes. So they could do something similar to that, you know, especially since it's a free month to try to hook people in and, and there's no more six month commitment for the network. Why not try doing that? But that's just my my opinion, Jack. Right. So we might as well go into what we're uh, discussing tonight. And before we do, Beverly, I mentioned off air. <laughs> I, yeah, I am so excited. I decided I had to get a 24-ounce can of Mountain Dew Code Red. Awesome. So let me open it up, Jack. <laughs> nice. Beverly, what are we covering tonight? Oh man, we're going way back. We're doing the keeping the month of first rolling, kind of ending the month of first actually. As we turn the calendar into November, we are going with the very first Survivor Series 1987 from Thursday, November 26th, 1987, Thanksgiving Day from Richfield Coliseum, Richfield Township, Ohio. <laughs> Richfield Township. Oh. Well, that's what Wikipedia said, Jack. <laughs> yeah. So when we talked about off-air that we're going to discuss Survivor Series 1987, Beverly, what was your initial thoughts and reactions? Oh, I, this is a classic for me. I really like Survivor Series 87. Survivor Series is one of my more favorite com- concepts uh, that they've done for pay-per-views, and I like watching them. They um, are fun, sometimes get repetitive, but overall fun. And, I, yeah, I like the, and I like this era. I, I'm, I was pleased. Yeah, cause I know. Now, yeah, when you and I were emailing back and forth about a month and a half ago about doing the month of first, and we discussed about viewing the first shows that we did review, then, then I shot you the idea, why not end this with Survivor Series 1987? Yeah. And like you said, you know, I, I love the five-on-five elimination matches. I love, or, you know, they've been pulling away from that you know, short you know, a couple of years after they debuted in Survivor Series, but I really liked the first several, especially the first two Survivor Series. How you know, first match was personal Intercontinental Title Division. Okay. Then it was the Women's Division, the Take yep. Team Division, and the World Heavyweight Title Division. Yes. And I really liked how it was four or so matches on a two and a half, three hour show. Mm-hmm. And as we'll be discussing later on, they did put some, they did padded the show. They did put a lot of filler in to help make it three hours. But I felt like this was, especially some of the matches that we'll be discussing, I felt they could have added more time into it to make it even better. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of liked how, how it ended up. I'm, I was actually pretty pleased with what we had here. Well, at least in my opinion, I wish. Some of the matches would have may have gone a couple more minutes. Uh, I don't know. I, as we'll as we'll see when we talk. I think this actually the '87 version is better than any than a lot of the other Survivor Series. And I in I don't know in preparation. I guess over the summer I watched a lot of Survivor Series different ones, and I think a lot of Survivor Series matches hurt um, from being too long. Fair and enough. I thought these. Four, even though there were just four matches, 
I thought they really clipped along. I think it helps having five on five instead of four on four because you don't need to stretch out the eliminations as much. But um, in general, I thought they all kind of clipped along and were well done. I like this. Again, I really like the show a lot. I guess you mentioned, you know, some elimination matches were stretched out too long. One of my favorite ones would have been the from the main event from 2001, where it was Team Alliance against Team WWF. Okay. And I think that five-on-five five match went almost an hour long. Okay. Do you, one, do you remember that watching that match or within relatively recent that you can comment on it? And if you do remember watching it, do you feel like that match was too long? I I don't know if I've ever seen that one, to be honest with you. But if, I don't know, I think the tag team one on this one was, had to be in close to an hour, wasn't it? And I think, it was, I think that was a little over a half hour long, oh, maybe 35 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Cole, it, at times it did feel a little long. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, regardless, I, I don't know. I know I haven't seen that one, so I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll be reviewing it someday because that was yeah. one of my favorite Survivors for you. So we'll discuss that on, on another day and in a, most likely another November. Right on. Sounds good, man. So, we might as well go into Survivor Series 1987. Okay. The show opens up with Howard Finkel welcoming us to the Survivor Series. Okay. The fans seem pretty pumped for the show. Then Finkel welcomes uh, welcomes Jesse the Body Ventura and Gorilla (laughs) Monsoon. What's What's your thoughts on the announcers being welcomed? I think it's cool. I think especially as the first Survivor Series, it's kind of an interesting idea to bring them out, um, bring them out with a, with um sorry with an introduction, and especially like these two are a pretty big deal. I think Monsoon and Jesse are both a pretty big deal at this time. So yeah, because I, I feel like this was right around the time that Jesse was. I think right around the time that the movie Jesse was in Predator came out. Uh, I think this is before that. This is more running man time. Okay, so I guess the way it makes sense to have Ventura and Monsoon get welcomed since Ventura started to cross over to, into Hollywood. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry about that. So, yeah, I thought running, I heard some running man would have came, Running Man would have came out two weeks prior to this, so it had just came out. Was it me, or did, I, did you also hear some booze? Well, he's a heel. Fair enough. Well, I don't know <laughs> if they're booing Ventura or they're booing Gorilla. Uh, eh, probably Ventura. This is a pretty, um, a a pretty down the line cheer for the faces, boo the heels type of crowd. And I wanted to get your thoughts on Jesse's entire Jack. I thought it was awesome. He was wearing a snakeskin shirt or like jacket. He was wearing a different kind of snakeskin pants, and then he was wearing a pilgrim hat. Oh, yeah. also snakeskin boots, and then a pilgrim hat. That made me laugh. <laughs> and we'll get to the pilgrim hat later because I want to talk about that too. Then there's a video package with some groovy '80s music. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So the the music was so funky. I doubt it was. I doubt that was a the music to the original show. I think it was. I I'm usually pretty <laughs> usually hear what what's original, what's not. I think that was original. The grill tells us it's gonna be a happening when he was talking oh the whole God. show. 
He said that this was going to be a happening so many times. He even said the Running Man was going to be a happening. Everything was a happening. Was oh, he called that video package a sassy video package? <laughs> what What's worse, Gorilla saying it's a happening or Michael Cole saying vintage? Uh, I, I they're both pretty bad. I don't think I can choose one. Okay, then yeah, both dudes put over the concept of the Survivor Series. They talked about each match along with the, uh, each team captain. Okay. Yep. So, Beverly, what are the rules of the Survivor Series? Oh, my gosh. This is what I wrote down. I wrote down he Jesse and Monsoon go through the card all four matches and the five ways wrestlers can be eliminated. I bet you wrote them down. Well? I actually took a screen cap of it, Jack. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. You are... The dirty dog. You are so the dirty dog. The ways of elimination are <laughs> number one, pinfall. <laughs> number two, submission. Number three, countout, which we'll see later on in the night. Number four, disqualification. And five, referee's discretion pending injury. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently that's the most important one. That's what Gorilla said the most important one is uh, referee's discretion regarding injury. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that just made me laugh that, that you know, it's just seeing a screen, you know, that on my screen about the five rules of, of elimination and just remind me of, like, the Rumble match, how they would have, you know, screen, you know, the rules on the screen are for... WCW when they had war games or World War Three Six Man Battle Royal how they would have rules on the screen it always make me it always touch, it has a spot in my heart to see eighties or nineties graphics on the screen and all that yeah just to see where technology came and gone it's really quite simple it's gonna be a happening Beverly you got it and see then we go backstage with Scott D George Beverly. Craig to George. Greg. Craig. Greg. Craig. 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 You George. Craig D. George. Who is Craig D. George? Craig D. George was just uh, kind of in, it's it's like they always have this guy in, in this position, the Craig D. George, Sean Mooney, Todd Pettengill, Michael Cole position, kind of a younger guy, kind of in a kind of goony character. Um who sort of gets pushed around by the heels, uh, likes the faces, that kind of thing. I don't know where he came from, but, yeah, that's yeah. his role. He, Mr. DeGeorge is with the Hockey Tonky team. Yes, he is. When the Hockey Tonky talks, his team makes faces behind him and don't shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the theme of all those backstage interviews, though. I did not take anything about what the Hockey Tonky team said. Okay. We're going to play a tune on that other team. This is the greatest team assembled. And I'm going to shake, rattle, and roll you, Elizabeth. Sounds kind of dirty if you ask me. I would agree with that. Um, I I did write a question mark after that. I have no clue what shake, rattle, and roll you, Elizabeth, means. <laughs> yeah, the fans seem pretty happy that we're getting our first match. Yeah, oh, man, they were pumped up. Yeah, the heels came down to the ring, then Gene Mean 
was backstage well, with Macho. Are you going to say who the... Well, I, I, I will after we talk about this oh. uh, interview. Or, uh, it was an interview with Macho Man. Okay, all right. Okay. Macho Team was backstage with Macho Man <laughs> and Gene yes. Mean. We yes. see a video package with Harley Race and Duggan. Yes. Then Macho said that he'll kick butt for, I don't know what, for pushing down Elizabeth. I assume Honky Tonky pushed down Elizabeth. Yes. You pushed down Elizabeth down real hard. You hurt her. You embarrassed her. You're in the danger zone. It's going to be a bad time. Macho, is it, it going to be a happening? No, it's going to be a bad time. Through the video scope? <laughs> yeah. So for the heels, is the captain, the intercontinental champion Honky Tonk Man, with yep. Hercules, Danny Davis, Ron Bass, and Harley Race... With their two managers, Bobby the Brain and Jimmy Hart. Right. Versus Team Captain Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Brother Brudai, Brutus Beefcake, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan with Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. I like looking at I like looking at the order that all the teams came out. I'm sorry to restate them all, but like, for the heels, Harley came out first, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if he was... No, I don't know. Out of those five, I guess maybe he is the second most popular. But, yeah, then Hercules, then Ron Bass, then Dangerous Danny, and then Honky Tonk. And for the faces, Ricky came out first, then Brudeye, then Snake, then Hacksaw, then Macho Man finished him off. It makes, it makes sense having the team captain come out last. Well, yeah, uh huh. Because like the first four would come out to the music of like the second most popular team or member, and then the captain would come out. I wanted to ask Beverly, do you yes, do you know when the Watchmen turned face between WrestleMania three and this year's Survivor Series? Um, no, I don't. I really, I really don't. And it's tough to for me to like answer those questions because there aren't as many like, um signposts along the way you know there when there's no um no pay-per-view between wrestlemania and survivor series it's tough for me to like remember i, I have no clue really okay, yeah because i want, wanted to ask yeah i don't yeah since i felt felt like it's weird seeing macho and seamote team up since the last pay-per-view at wrestlemania 3 they were fighting each other for the intercontinental title macho was a heel yeah so, yeah, so we must have get into the match. So I put down that Beefer and the Herc start out the match. <laughs> yep, that's what he says. I wrote Beefer. Yeah, big lockup at the front. We get some strutting and cutting from Brudeye and a nice little mm, kiss my butt gesture to Hercules. And I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to ask Beverly, how many of the first registers had two referees? I don't know. I I have no clue. I guess I, I, guess I never really noticed when watching the first Survivor Series that there was one referee inside the ring and one outside the ring. Okay. I wish they would yeah. bring the, I wish they would bring that back more often. Okay. So so yeah, I guess I took some notes. Uh, you can help me fill it in wherever. Uh, there was an early sleeper on a Herc from the Beefer. Yep. Then the Hercules tagged out. To, to Danny D, as as Gorilla would call him, dangerous, and dangerous came in the uh, came in the ring, but didn't really do much. Jay, I wrote Jake and Macho take turns kicking D's ass. <laughs> well, yeah, I did put down the fans pop loudly for the first time when Macho got taken to the match. 
Oh yeah, big time. Then I did also write down that Reyes gave Steamboat a nice shoulder breaker. Yep. I also noted that Steamboat did a beautiful skin the cat twice. Oh yeah, double skin the cat. Then I wanted- and then- and then right after Steamboat did the two skin the cats, he threw Race at the ropes, and Race could hilariously not skin the cat. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on the surprising belly-to-belly suplex from Race to Ricky Steamboat. It was kind of on a nowhere. He kind of just, like, stood there, grabbed him, and threw him over his head. I liked it. Cause wasn't that uh, Race's fi- quote-unquote finisher back then? Um, It was one of them. I mean, it kind of in the... 70s and early 80s, you're not going to see, like, a, a ton of, like, finishers. It's just going to be, like... A random move in that sense. Just a move, yeah, right. Okay, then I also want to get your thoughts on Jim Duggan in black tights. Uh, inconsequential. Okay. I'm so used to seeing the hacks on blue tights, so I was yep. assuming black tights. Yeah, that's what he's wearing, I guess. Can you have any more notes before the first elimination? Um, no, I guess I can lead up to it. Yeah, Hacksaw's tagged in, gives that big clothesline to Harley, and then, yeah, you can pick up there. Yeah, Duggan got tagged in, both both him and Race took it to the outside, got themselves double-counted out around the five-minute mark. Mm-hmm. I wrote down dumb Hacksaw and dumb King. Oh, and they just want to fight, man. That's not bad. Well, I least he got those two uh, brawlers eliminated rather easily. Yeah, I thought some of the countouts were mighty quick yeah. on this show. Did, they did not seem like 10 minutes. Or, well, definitely not 10 minutes, but they didn't seem like 10 seconds either. And then Roberts and Bass jump in for their teams after the double elimination. Right. So do you want to take, it, take this section of the match up to the next elimination? Yo, I can do it. Um, so, the, again, really fast and furious, a lot of different changes there. Um, a lot of tags, but Bass came in, missed an elbow um, on Jake the Snake. He got Macho in, and he came in and really took over. He looked awesome in this match, um, but Bass was able to knock Savage down briefly and get get in Honky, and they they traded a couple times in and out. Bass ended up back in, and I just wrote, I don't I don't know too awful much about. Ron Bass in general, I don't know if you do, but um, he looks good when he's on offense. I I kind of like this big bruiser heel type persona and uh, these kind of big pot belly guys, and I like I like Ron Bass, at least in this regard. I don't know if he could ever be like a main event guy, but he looked good for what it was here. I am sure Ron Bass isn't an ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, so that kind of leads us to the next elimination. You want to take it? Yeah, Bass got eliminated when the Macho was able to score a blind take from the Beefer. Beefer nailed him with a high knee and pinned him right around the seven-minute mark. Right, and Hercules jumped back in and took over with what looked to be, and you may correct me if I'm wrong, but what looked to be a headbutt to the nut sack. And he used that to take over. Um, tagged in a honky-tonk man, and... and Again, this is a really fast-paced match, but Honky kind of tried to slow it down here a little bit, working on the arm of uh, Beefer. <laughs> but yeah, because I did, I did put down the Beefer hit an awesome atomic drop. Yeah, come on, I didn't put that one down. Yeah, yeah, he got that. And I oh, thought no, he was 
And I feel like he was stupid for not taking him himself out when he had the chance. Yeah. Yo, oh, yeah. Yeah. Huggy Tongue Man, yeah, he tried to keep working on that arm. Um, I like this is what Jesse said. Macho Man got up on the corner and he kicked Earl Hebner. And Jesse's like, he's getting flagrant over there. That made me laugh. Yeah. And then that's when Buford hit the atomic drop um, on hockey there. Do you have any other notes before the next elimination? No, because finally old Dangerous Danny D gets involved here on a positive note for his team here. Yes. My next note was Beefcake got eliminated by being stupid and staying in the match a little too long in Hockey Tonk. Hit him with a shake, rattle, and roll, and pin pin right around the eleven minute mark. Well, yeah, it's because because Danny hit him in the back when he was uh, coming off the ropes, and then yes, he he fell right into the shake, rattle, and roll. Yes, yeah, then yeah, then Beefer got eliminated. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Yeah. Savage tried to, Savage tries to get after the honky tonky man, and the fan yep. and only the macho goes crazy with a few punches on him. A hurt got in the way, and the announcers mentioned that if you lose your cool, you generally lose the match. Hmm, I like it. I like it. Then I wrote down, keep calm, Macho. Yep. And after a couple switches, um, Macho tagged out to Jake, and Jake tried to put a put a DDT on Honky Tonk Man, but uh, according to Gorilla, the Brill Cream in Honky Tonk Man's hair allowed him to uh, sneak out of that attempt, which I thought was hilarious. Poor, uh, poor honky tonky. No, good for him. He snuck out. He used the in his hair to get out of the DDT. Think of it. Do you ca- catch what was on honky tonk's tights? Oh, I don't know. Was it shake, rattle, and roll? Or what was it, it was t- Memphis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. It just, it just it made me laugh because his tights were like blue greenish color, and yep. on his butt it just said Memphis in black in black lettering. <laughs> I didn't even look. I love it. Memphis. <laughs> so, yeah, do you have any other notes before the next elimination? Um, I do. So, I just noted that, I don't know who this ref is, but he's, like, out of control. He's crazy. He's super crazy in the uh, tag team match, which I'll definitely get some notes on, on that one. But he's very adamant in this match that Honky Tongue Man stops using Jake's hair. He's like, get off the hair! Get off the hair! And, um, yeah, Hercules came in, hit some really nice jabs on Jake, but uh, it comes, it's kind of like a boxing style of jabs, which I, you know, Hercules usually moves kind of slow. Um, he was, he was kind of moving fast in this match. I liked it. Hercules came off well in this match. I thought, um, he was a lot smaller than what he would eventually kind of be up to, uh, in size there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Then, then, uh, Davis got eliminated when he got nailed with the DDT in the, Mm -hmm. in the snaker pinned him right around the 15 minute mark. Right. I said, yeah, he, he was snaking up. Uh, D- Dangerous Danny Davis was punching him and it had no effect. And according to Monsoon, I wrote this down in my notes after this elimination. Okay. Drake Roberts got Pearl harbored. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was after Hercules came in and hit him. Yeah. Next, I, next always makes me laugh hearing Monsoon say that somebody got Pearl harbored. Okay. And I had to write that down in my notes. Okay. Then, then yeah, then Ventura called. Monsoon out about that, saying that it's in the rules and it's not a Pearl Harbor job. Right, I agree. And that made me laugh even more. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was funny when Davis got eliminated, they just like the ref just like rolled them out of the ring. That's <laughs> he, funny. Just, like, he just like pushes him to the side and just dumps them out. <laughs> Whatever. What are your thoughts overall on dangerous Danny Davis? Do you have any any anything on him? I guess I really like to see a few more of his matches. Okay. I can't remember remember what I was watching on the network recently, but I remember it was it was after Danny Davis's run as a wrestler that he was back as a referee again. Right. And I remember the announcers were questioning his referee ability since as a referee before he was a heel and when he, yeah, when he wrestled he was a heel too. So the announcers were questioning if he would call it down the middle like he's supposed to really more towards the heels. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which as, I a, as, a, as a wrestler, he didn't seem that, that bad, but he, he wasn't great by any means. I feel like he, if he would be a wrestler now in 2014, I think he'd be a lot higher up than what he was in 87. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the I think the one thing that's going to hold him back in 87, which maybe didn't, wouldn't hold him back today would be his size. I mean, he doesn't he didn't look small by any means, but when you compare him even on his team, he's a lot smaller than Honky even and Honky's no, you know, giant muscle head, but then those other ones especially. He yeah, he was looking anyway, he's got to wear that dumb like white long sleeve shirt cuz he doesn't have a great body, so his look is not the best. Yeah. But yeah, I know another note I did put down too like I mentioned earlier think when uh, when Ch- the Jaker was in, I felt like it was odd seeing Steamboat and Savage standing together in the same corner as partners. Sure. Yeah. It, it, stuff like that is why I love the Survivor Series concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seeing unique teams as Macho Man and, and the Dragon teaming up together and the right. Snake teaming up together. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah do you have any notes between... Uh, Davis being eliminated in the next elimination. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Hercules tried to lock in a sleeper on on Jake, um, and he almost has him, but uh, Snake does a great kind of drop-down chin breaker that uh, breaks it, and he tags in uh, Steamboat. And when Steamboat, man, he gets in, he's on fire. He does this, like, awkward kind of dance. He does what I call the pooping pose, where he just kind of, like, goes, and he, like, gets down, and he makes, like, a face like he's taking a dump, too. Um, Hits lots of chops, a flying chop, a standing chop, and then he goes tags in Savage. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I might as well mention the elimination. Big yep. Herc gets eliminated by the Savage Elbow around the 21-minute mark. Right. And I'm surprised the hockey talking man came in and actually actually tried to fight when he was down by, uh, th- you know, three faces against him. Yeah, just a li- I was too. Just a little bit, a quick one. And we got the great line by Jesse. Do you think he can tag in Jimmy Hart? <laughs> that, that, is, that, that, is, that is funny, yes. <laughs> oh heels I, I I love them that would, would be funny if Jimmy Hart was, was able to get tagged in at a wrestle I don't think he'd want to be yeah I, I wouldn't either yep Snake came in tried a sunset flip the crowd really wanted a DDT 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 they didn't kiss but whatever <laughs> so yes yes yeah I I not- noted that Ventura seemed pretty upset when the faces teamed up against the Honky Tonk Man 
and take each other in and not try to eliminate them when they had the chance. Okay. It just made me funny that Ventura was complaining about that. Yeah. No. Yeah, do you have any so, other notes before the yeah. finish? Sure, yeah. Macho's in, a, in the last with a double axe handle, a couple elbows, um, another axe handle, and then finally an atomic drop that sends uh, Honky about 30 feet in the air and outside the ring. <laughs> Maybe the atomic drop almost sent uh, Honky Talk back to Memphis. It must have been. And then Hockey Talk Man got himself counted out at twenty four right around the twenty four minute mark. Okay. So the winners are Randy Machman Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Right. Beverly, I rated this match two stars. Okay. I liked this a uh, whole heck of a lot better than you did. I rated this three and one third star. Okay. Um I thought it was re- oh. I thought it was a really nice opener. That was pretty fast-paced. Good character work by the winners and Honky. I just thought good stuff all around. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, like you, I felt thought this was a good opener with a, you know, a good showcase of the Intercontinental Title Division. Right. You know, I feel like you know, you know, especially the Intercontinental Title was known for the Workers' Title, so it's great to have the Workers start out the match, start out the night. And yeah, I, I was surprised the Honky Talk Man stayed in as long as he did when he was the sole survivor on his team against three of his opponents. Right. I feel like storylines were tied in well with this match and continued on afterwards. Yeah. And it felt like that Mo- uh, Savage was going to win the IC title a few months later from the Honky Talk Man, but obviously we all know that never happened. Right. And I know right. for the month of first, Beverly, you usually like to talk about the first match. Yep. I want to get your thoughts on the first Survivor Series match. Well, I thought it was, a g- like you said, a um, good showcase of the... The, at the workers division, the intercontinental division, which I do agree with you, kind of always has been. Um, and uh, I thought, like I said, fast paced, which is always a good thing for an opener. Um, kind of, I think again, it kind of gives you a snapshot of the era because you have all these guys. Um, seem they they're all big stars. The crowd, oh, really over with the crowd when you talk about the face side. Um, I'd say at least four out of the five of those guys are really um, up there. And, uh, you know, I thought having those three Macho Man, uh, Steamboat, and Roberts all um, be the winners there, I think it really kind of sets up Honky with three feuds right off the right off the bat there. Which is very nice. Mm-hmm. I agree. Then we go to a special interview with the, interview with the heel team in the main event. Andre the Giants team with his partners and managers. Yep. We see a video clip from WrestleMania 3 where with Andre and Hogan, and uh, if I remember correctly from the clip, uh, Hogan was going out for the body slam on Andre, you know, within the first, like, what, minute or so of the match, and Andre, you know, fell on him, and how the referee got counted a two, and Andre thought it was a three since it really didn't, didn't look like Hogan got his shoulder up in time. Right. Yeah, it, does, it did look like it in the clip. Yeah, then, then Bobby put over Hogan. We'll be defeated tonight, and Andre should have been the WWF champion. Uh-huh. Hogan, I did it once, and I will do it again. Then we, get, then we talk about Slick. Yeah. Uh, They're a bunch of animals! And I did mention that Slick said that those men won't act like gentlemen in their match. <laughs> I don't know who says 
correct help me out who says this i don't know i'm here for one reason oh that's andre i'm here for one reason i'm here for your soul yeah my next my next survivor my next note did say verbatim andre said he'll be the only survivor and he's there to take hogan's soul you got it you got it Oh, thank you, Andre, for speaking me from the grave, Jack. <laughs> oh, then he ends with, you got it, you got it. <laughs> Andre, me rest peacefully. In, in rest in peace, Andre. R.I.P., brother. Then we go to the next match. Okay. Which showcases the women's division. Yes. The Fabulous Moolah, Rockin' Robin, Velvet McIntyre, and the Jumping Bomb Angels, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names. Do you even know them? Because Gorilla did it. I I have their names written down, but I don't know who is who. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to that. Can we, I want to I do it because I want to show the, the order that they were introduced. Okay, so please. Jimmy Hart presents <laughs> Judy Martin and Leilani Kai, who are the Glamour Girls. Dawn Marie, not that Dawn Marie. Okay. Um, Donna Christianello, who looked 55 years old, and Sherry Martell, who's the women's champion. And then I wrote for the other side, Rockin' Robin looks like she's, well, she is wearing a suit coat, which is a little odd. And then I thought it was weird the Fabulous Moolah was on the Good Gals team. And then, uh... Jesse, Jesse and Gorilla both agreed that she has announced at a beefy weight of 168 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, moolah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you okay. Yeah, because uh, it did make me. I, I did think I swore during this match that Moolah was the heel. Yeah, I don't know, but apparently she was a face at the time. She was with the good gals team there. Yeah, because I am happy you didn't. You did answer my question on is that is this Don Marie that Don Marie? <laughs> no, God, no! Did you see, did you see this Don Marie? That this nineteen eighty seven's Don Marie seemed a lot older than the Don, oh, the ECW God. Don Marie. You know, and I even though we're looking at Donna Christianello. We're looking at Don Marie. We're looking at Rock and Robin. I still hold true with the statement I made last week that Tori is the ugliest women's wrestler of all time. Even compared to Fabulous Moolah? Oh, 100%. I think Moolah's way better looking than Tori. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm not going to argue about this. <laughs> can't even, you can't even do anything. <laughs> Because so, you, you know the two beautiful ladies that we've talked about who have my heart, Beverly. Bertha Faye and... Oh, three. Uh, okay, Bertha Faye and the Jimmy Garvin's two ladies? Yes. Bertha Faye, always be mine. You're <laughs> the precious sunshine in my life. Do you see what I did there? Yes, I love it. Okay, good. Okay. So I was <laughs> Precious Sunshine and Birth of Fan. Awesome. Okay, I can start it off. Yeah. So this is where um, Monsoon said that the running man was a happening. <laughs> it's a happening. Yeah. And Sherry 
the champion, which I didn't even know she was ever the WWF Women's Champion, but that's very interesting to me. Um, she started off with Velvet McIntyre, who's apparently from Ireland, who I also didn't, which I also didn't know. But she's also not wearing shoes. <laughs> she got, bad. yeah, it was odd. Um, Sherry threw her into the corner, um, but Velvet came out flying with a nice flying body press and tagged in Mula. Um, Mula took over on Sherry um, until Sherry tagged in 105-year-old Donna Christianello. Yes. <laughs> and Donna took over for a second. but then And then business seriously picked up. We got first, as Gorilla would call her, Itsuki, which one of them's named Itsuki, not this one, by the way, came in with a really nice drop kick, um, tagged in Velvet, who hit Donna with a huge slam for a two, and uh, Jesse goes, you want to talk about women's women's liberation? These girls are liberated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesse. It's a happening. (laughs) Yep, and then that leads us to your piece here. Donna Cristinello got eliminated by Velvet McIntyre with yep. a victory roll around the two-minute mark. That's what that's called. I knew it had a name. I couldn't think of what it was called. I wrote Velvet with a roll-up thing yeah. for the elimination. <laughs> yeah, it was the victory roll because it's a happening. Oh, oh bef- Before we go more into this, Beverly. Okay. Since I'm throwing out... Gorilla Monsoon's line. Got it. Friday night at work. Okay. This would be last night when we're when we're, we're recording this. Yes. I was stacking the Mankato trailer branch trailer after lunch. Okay. And uh, how I mentioned mar- mentioned marvelous Mike in a previous episode. <laughs> yeah. Him, you know, I went over since so I had a little bit of downtime. He was one of the sorters, and I went over and talked to him, and you would laugh, Beverly. Okay. I threw out, and that is the game plan in everyday lingo. <laughs> what was his thoughts on it? I can't. Uh, we were just, re- you know, having a normal conversation. I randomly threw that in there, you know, in in a regular sentence, and then I even paused before or after it. And after I said that, when he was talking, I'm like, "Wait a second, did I just throw that in there?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. Beverly Hills would be impressed. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff, man. So we might as well get back to the smash because that is the game plan. So right <laughs> away, one of the Glamour girls ran in and took advantage of Velvet uh, uh, right after yeah, Velvet scored the victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Velvet was quick to take in Rock and Robin, who is the worst wrestler on this pay-per-view. Yes. She can barely run the ropes. She's, like, hitting them, and she stops, and then she runs back. Oh, man. When you compare, like, I think, I guess this really shows, like, the discrepancy of women's wrestling in 1987. Like, getting 10 good women's wrestlers in the U.S. was probably pretty difficult because, like, you have, you know, on one end you have the Jumping Bomb Angels, um, Moolah's not awful. The Glamour Girls are pretty good. And then you have, oh, Rock and Robin. Woof. Woof. <laughs> Except, I know uh, one of the things I noted between the first elimination and the second elimination was yeah. Ventura and Gorilla were bantering back and forth about cheating. Okay. And, Jess, and the line I wrote down from Jesse was, cheating is a part of sports too, Gorilla. 
<laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, which made me laugh too because with Jesse with his Minnesota accent <laughs> saying cheating is cheating is a part of sports too, gorilla. Yeah, it just, it just makes me laugh whenever Jesse you know pronounces gorilla's name. How he had to, you know, he has Go- to uh, drag it out as long as possible. <laughs> gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then my next note was just like what you did, Beverly. I laughed. Yeah, you got it. I lol'd. Yeah. Don Marie came in and she was on fire. She's like, I want to get in. And she <laughs> she got in. She started beating on Rock and Robin, but Rock and Robin followed with a clothesline, a r- truly awful crossbody. And Don Marie was eliminated yes. to come back ten years later in ECW. Beverly, you stole my gimmick. I'm sorry. Don Marie got eliminated by Rock and Robin with a running crossbody for the pin around the four minute mark. I need. I just needed to talk how bad it was. Yes. But yes, I am happy that this wasn't the Don Marie from ECW fame in SmackDown <laughs> fame. Because, Why not? Better than. Because in 87, she looked very, very old. She maybe got some good plastic surgery done. Fair enough. <laughs> I just felt like the ECW SmackDown Dom Marie was a hell of a lot hotter than 1987's Dom Marie. To each their own, dirty dog. To each their own. Well, you know, on this podcast, I like to critique beautiful women. I know. You're all about it, man. You're, you're a big fan of the ladies. Dom Marie... Christian Donna Christianello, Bertha Faye. That's your favorites. The older, the better for Dirty Dog Darcy. To be honest, I did not want to argue with you about this on last week last week's episode, but I did feel like Tori in the men's T-shirt was pretty hot. Oh, what off? Oh, whoops, sorry. But it's okay, Beverly Hills. You're you're a taken man. So it's true. Whatever. It's true. It's true. The dirty dog is trying to find his dirty mate, Daddy O. <laughs> the dirty dame. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we might as well talk about talk about how the face. Well, I was confused about this, but my next note was the face team was down five to three. Was it the face no, team that was down, the or was it the team was down five to three? Because okay, I was confused because I assumed Fabulous Mulo was the heel. No. No, come on! You got to know that Jimmy's on the bad side. I wasn't really like, paying attention. To, just look for Jimmy. I wasn't paying paying attention to Jimmy Hart until the finish of the match. Okay, yeah, because Jimmy he's got the glamour girls. But the commentators did even mention that one team was down three to five. Right. So you may as well talk about talk about his, about this since I was con- totally confused. <laughs> Okay, I don't know who was in on the heel team, but they tried um, pinning Izuki, and she did a super cool bridge out of the pinning attempt where she kind of snuck under, um, I think, one of the Glamour girls. She had a flying body scissors, two flying knees, a high cross body. I really liked it. Um, She tagged in um, her partner, did an old school move, (laughs) which I thought was really cool. Um, she hit a power bomb on Sherry Martell. They're just on another level. Like, in my opinion, whenever the jumping bomb angels get in, they are 
seriously from a different generation than the rest of these ladies. Um, it's just like crazy because then I wrote after she hit the power by wrote yuck rock and Robin gets tagged in. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, rock and Robin did, did a shitty monkey flip. Um, Leilani Kai didn't care. <laughs> she just like got up, drug her into the corner and taped in Sherry and then go for it. Rock and Robin got eliminated by sensational Sherry with a vertical suplex around the seven minute mark. Right. And this is when I noticed right after the slumination that Gorilla is just calling both of the jumping bomb angels Izuki. Yes. <laughs> he's not even caring at this point. He doesn't care about Terio, the other one. He's just like he's I'm I know one of their names, so I'm just gonna go for it. Sounds like something that Ventura, not Ventura McMahon would do later on. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. You know, you when we were talking about monkey flips. I did write down that Mula hit a one-legged monkey flip by one of the Glamour girls. Uh-huh. So I did mention that. I know another thing that Jesse talked about during the after the uh, Rock Ramen got eliminated was Jesse questioned why the why one of the women don't just cut their hair short for they <laughs> for they won't get their hair pulled anymore. Yeah, that was a weird comment. Yeah, it was weird, so I had to write that down. <laughs> like, I know, I I'm like, that. okay, Ventura. <laughs> yep, yep. Mula tried to come in and take over. Um, she had some slaps, some drop kicks, but then Judy Martin came in and what she do to take her out? Oh, because uh, I don't know called this. Okay, Fabulous Mula got eliminated by Judy Martin. By a double clothesline that, that even the announcers missed at 11 minutes. Yeah, it was. I just wrote clothesline question mark because I'm like, whoa, Mula got taken out with like a punch. <laughs> well, because yeah, the camera angle, you could not even barely tell what happened. Yeah, just like you saw Judy Martin and then you saw Mula on the ground and then all of a sudden she's done. Yeah, it was a yeah, double clothesline. Yep. Yeah, around, yeah, around the 11 minute mark. And I can't remember when this happened, but it was Judy Martin was still in the ring, and how she got, let us see, well, a boxing crap was put on, I think uh-huh. on Judy Martin. Either way, she was one of the two competitors, and I popped at the boxing crab because back then when Rick Martell was the model, the boxing yeah. crab was his finisher, and I loved that submission hold. Right. Yeah, that boxing, actually, Velvet put that, Boston Crab on it looked really cool because she had a Boston Crab. Then she turned it into an STF. Yes. Then she rolled it into a surfboard, and then she let it out. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was awesome though. It looked really cool. Velvet looked pretty good in this match too. I thought. Think of it. I wrote down in my notes that there was a false finish and the bell rang and I missed it. Do you know what happened with the false finish? Um, is it, that was. I don't know where this was, where that was in this uh, part because that was one of the jumping bomb angels that was getting pinned, and they just rang the rang the bell and the or yeah whatever there, there was a false admission. It was just it was just a two count, and the bell ringer acted on their own. Oh, Mark Eden. Oh, yeah, because I wanted to, wanted to ask because I think I was looking down, I think on my computer for something. That, yeah, I heard heard a count. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, the bell rang like, yeah, I just missed a finish. Then, yeah, the announcers were saying, oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was just a false finish. You know, the 
there a bell ringer got a little excited and wanted to ring the bell a little bit. I guess. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Yeah. That one of the things I did write down was uh, there, the velvet hit a giant swing on Cherry. Yes, she did. I which, wrote which I was impressed proud. by. <laughs> Cesaro would be proud yes. of the giant swing that Velvet did. Yes. <laughs> go, go for the next elimination. Sensational. Sherry got eliminated by Velvet McIntyre by a victory roll. Are on a 15-minute mark, Gorilla. <laughs> Another one of those roll-up things. <laughs> yes. Oh, Beverly. Sometimes I just have a brain block and I can't think of that. You know, Beverly, for the podcast, I consider you more the play-by-play man and me the color commentator man. And I'm surprised that I know, at least for that hold, I know more holds than you do, Beverly. (laughs) I don't some, I just don't know what the roll-up thing's called. Don't you remember a couple weeks ago I couldn't remember what a vertical press slam was? (laughs) Yes. He picked the guy up and dropped him. <laughs> I'm not a move guy, brother. Instead of calling you Beverly Hills, I think I need to call you either Beverly Monsoon or <laughs> or Gorilla Hills. Whatever, Gorilla. Dude. Do not give me the thumbs down, Gorilla. <laughs> Alright, so... I know. I noted down that one of the jumping bomb angels hit a double arm underhook suplex on one of the glamour girls. Uh huh. I think that's when I that was earlier when I think I wrote that they did a power bomb. Yeah, which I which I was very impressed with and it looked very very beautiful. Right on. How did it, can you do the next elimination? Yeah. What, what, what? Velvet got eliminated by Lally Kai. Yeah, Leilani Kai, yeah. right. With an electric chair drop after using the top rope as a stun gun slash slingshot around the 17-minute mark. Okay, I don't know what I tried to write. I just wrote Leilani Kai eliminates Vel with a five count, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> Maybe we're at half breath, Beverly. I don't know. It was too early this morning when I was watching this. I was probably just, like, passing out. <laughs> so, yeah, you needed, you needed some time away from the match to catch your breath. Yeah, I did. <laughs> So, yeah, do you want to talk talk about the next elimination? Sure. So that that happened when Asuki came off the top rope um, with just a splash, I think. Yeah. Oh, for the next finish? Yeah. Okay. Well, Lolly Kai got a little eliminated by Tezuki Tamazaki yep. with a yep. flying cross body pin at the top. Okay. From the top right, at, right around the 19 minute mark. Yeah, so it was Judy against the Jumping Bomb Angels, and she came in on fire. She she looked good, too. She took down Azuki with a fireman's carry into a drop, which I liked. Um, but then she just kind of got overwhelmed. Torrio came in with a flying knee, a double Irish whip, into a double back body drop, and then you can finish yeah, it off. Well, also, Jimmy Hardy could knock down towards the end of the match. Oh, right. Yes, he did. And Judy Martin got eliminated by Tormiato Tamiato. Yep, mm-hmm. yep Tormia. I'm bad at pronouncing names. That's okay. That's I'm, like, okay. I'm like William Regal. I just get excited. That's fine. Yeah, so Judy Martin got eliminated with a flying sit-down close on at the 20, right around the 20-minute mark. Right. So the winners are the Jumping Bomb Angels. Yep. I wrote a win for the Jumping Bomb Angels. I love the Jumping Bomb Angels! Just because I really didn't know that many of these women, I rated this match one half of a star. 
Okay, fair enough. I rated this two stars total, and then I need to give an annotation. Three and a half stars for all the jumping bomb angel parts, dud for the rest of it. So average it out, two stars. So yeah, the jump, yeah as I say, the jumping bomb angels, you can definitely tell we're, the, we're one of the better tag teams. Well, actually, besides them and the Glamour Girls, they were the only yeah. two tag teams yeah, in, the te- yeah. in the match. But, yeah, the jumping bomb angels, you can tell we're more... Tra- were better trained than the other women. They had more technical ability than rush the rush the match. Right. And it seemed like that when the jumping bomb angels were in the match, they brought the match up like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I I agree with you on that. That it's like when the jumping bomb angels were in there, the match was better. When they weren't, the match took a dump. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's yeah. Then uh, that we yeah that we see some replays from the match. Okay. Whoop do you freaking do? <laughs> no, uh, how I mentioned it was Scott to George earlier. No, I wrote down it was Frank to George. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Frank. I am confused on on Frank to George, Scott to George, this multiple personality to George is. The best part is that neither of those are even close. <laughs> Craig to George, right? Frank and Scott, yeah, Craig is his real name. Since yesterday was Halloween, I guess it's Frankenstein to George, Jack. <laughs> it's <such a> George. <laughs> Frankenstein to George, Jack. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Frankenstein to George is with the Heart Foundation. Yes. And and their team the Anvil said that his team doesn't need any luck. And Bobby said that his team is ready to survive. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim, well, then Jimmy came back and he was all flustered. I wanna hurt somebody, brother. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, he had her get out of his glamour girls jacket and put on his heart foundation jacket, which made me smile. Hey, and I know we've talked about this before. I think we've talked about this like off camera. <laughs> where we both love that Jimmy Hart really um, put a lot into his act, including having a different jacket for each of his performers, which I shows a lot of care. I think that actually also shows a lot of respect for each of his charges because I think it shows, you know, I care enough about you, Judy Martin and Leilani Kai, to get a jacket specifically for you. Whereas, you know, like Bobby, he's just wearing the old blue star satin jacket the whole time. Yeah, because I know, I think I heard an interview with Jimmy Hart, this would have been a long time ago, and <laughs> Jimmy mentioned that yeah, every new person he he managed, he liked to get a new yep. jacket for. Or like right. with the famous guys, like with Hulk Hogan, he would like to try to get a different jacket for like w- their bigger matches. Big shows, yeah. And he said that, that if for some whatever reason, he, if he didn't get a new jacket within like a calendar year or whatever, he would go go out and buy a new jacket just to get a new jacket to, you know, help support his te- whoever he's managing. Yeah. Which, like you said, that is very very cool, and I really really like that. It helps put over who he's managing. It helps put. Helps give Jimmy Hart a different, unique, you know, to separate him from every other manager that we have seen since and before. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Jimmy Hart as a manager fan. In some cases, yes. So we might as well go. Sorry, I just want to say everybody was like freaking out. Grill and Grill was like, "Where are the Bolsheviks?" 
then, <laughs> yeah, they're already in the ring with Flair. Jesse's like, they're in the ring. They're going to sing the national anthem. Yes. So we might as well talk about who's in this match. It's the Hart Foundation, Bret, and, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil, Nightheart. The yep. Islanders, Haku and Tama. Demolition, Axe and Smash. The Bolsheviks, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov. And the Dream Team, being Greg Valentine and Dino Bravo, with Jimmy Valiant, Slick. Johnny Valiant. Johnny Valiant. Sorry. I, I, in my notes, I did put on Johnny. I don't know why I said Jimmy. Oh, okay. Well, Jim, at, the bo- Jimmy's the boogie woogie man. That's a different guy. Okay. I always look at Jimmy Hart, so that's probably why. I, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. John, Johnny Valiant, Slick, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heaton, and Mr. Fuji. Yes, they all had managers. First is the Strike Force. Tito Santana and Rick Martel, who were the WWF Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. The Young Stallions, Paul Roma and Jim Powers. Right. The Fabulous Rougeaus. Yeah. Jock and Raymond Rougeau. Yes. The Killer Bees, Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair. Right. And the British Bulldogs, Davey Boy Smith and the British Bulldog. Oh, Davey Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid. Yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> With Matilda. Yes. And I wanted to ask beforehand, and I'm, I should know this answer, but I'm having a brain fart. The Fabulous okay. Rougeaus would later on become the, come the, uh, the Mounties, right? Well, um, Jacques would be the Mountie, okay. the singles star. Raymond retired after their run as the Fabulous Rougeau brothers. Okay. Jacques became the Mountie. And then the Quebecers was Jacques and um, Pierre Ouellette. Okay, so yeah, because I was I want, wanted to ask about that because I know I was kind of I know Jacques would become the Mountie, and I didn't know if Raymond would become yeah would team join him join him again to become the Quebecers. Right. No, just Jacques. Okay, Raymond well. became the French language announcer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that because I was like I said I was confused about that. That is why you're the. Right. That's why you're the Dave Meltzer to my Brian Alvarez. That's high praise. That is why you're the Mike Tenet to my Tony Giovanni. Also high praise. That is why that's, you, why, I'm the, that's why I'm the Pepe to your Mongo McMichael. Yes, and that is why... Dress in funny costumes and you carry me around. Yes, <laughs> and that is why you're the Bobby the Brain Heaton to my... Gorilla. All right. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. All right. So let's talk a little about this match. Like you said, Slick and the Bolsheviks were ready in the ring. Started started to sing the uh, the Russian national anthem. Right. And Jesse Ventura stood up, and Monsoon was getting after him for standing up. Yeah. And Monsoon refused to stand up, too. I thought that was funny because Ventura said, well, I wanted to stand up. It also gives me a chance to stretch my legs. Yeah, stretch my legs a little bit. So, and then I like to the gorilla goes, what good does it do to stand? You still have the turban on. Yes. Because <laughs> he's wearing his bandana. Yeah the, yeah, the heels came out. Then we go backstage again with Gene Mean, who is with the Babyface Survivor Series team. Brett, yes. They all say that they're all going to win. Mm-hmm. Rick, the model Martel, says that his team will stick together. Well, his team. Oh, well, he said that his team will stick together while his Survivor Series team barks behind him. Yes, that was very, very distracting for me. 
<laughs> they're all going crazy in that. Which too. is one thing I liked about the Survivor, early Survivor, Survivor Series promos. Oh my gosh, love it. They're always just like insane. I love it. Yeah, then uh, Rick the Model and Nikolai Volkov start the match. Right. Yeah, Martel, again, this one's super quick. A lot of tags in this match. You got 20 guys out there. Um, Zukov has some hit some good elbows onto Santana because Martel and Santana are kind of trying, uh, tagging in and out. And uh, Santa, does Santana, do, does he eliminate yeah. Zukov with a flying burrito? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boris Zukov and, and the Bolsheviks are eliminated by Chico Santana by the flying forearm, which is the flying burrito around the 1 minute and 30 second mark. Right. Yep. And then a, one of the, for me, standouts in this match was Axe, and he was really quick in to take over on Tito, and he had some good um, moves. He he was beating on Tito. He beat on, he beat on uh, Jacques Rougeau with a forearm. Um, and uh, go ahead with the next one. Okay, before I talk about the next okay, elimination, I did well, one of my notes between these eliminations were Jesse Ventura put over Paul Roma. Yeah. And the next note after that I put down was all in caps lock. Ha ha. <laughs> Why? Just because Paul Roma gets. Uh, put down a lot for being, being part of the Four Horsemen and all oh, that gravy okay. stuff. Sure, sure. I don't yeah. know why I'm talking like this, Gorilla. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but yeah, Jacques Rougeau and that fabulous Rougeau brothers got eliminated by Axe after missing a diving uh, after missing a diving crossbody in a pin around the six minute mark. Okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah, um, I did note I did note that Haku and the Anvil did a double team maneuver that looked pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, it was awesome! Nineheart put him up in. Now again, what what is this? It's something backbreaker, like some like nationality. Well, yeah, cause I put down the looked like a power bomb looking move from the Anvil yeah. and a flying smash from Haku. Yeah, that one has a name, and I don't know what it's called. It's the over the shoulder backbreaker. Usually, you put him up in that position, then you sit down. Um, but he had him up in that position, and then, uh, as you said, Haku came off with an axe handle, and it looked really good. I like that a lot. Yeah, same, same here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I guess this is kind of the, the first stretch where we see the uh, Young Stallions kind of used as a face-in-peril uh, type guys there. And I thought I thought they looked really good in the, in this role. You know, Powers tried to get something going, but Axe cut him right off. Uh, tagged in, kind of our dream team section here. Valentine comes in, hits a really cool looking shoulder breaker on Roma. Um, nice vertical suplex. Tags in former Canadian heavyweight champion Dino Bravo, which I tend to doubt. I don't know. I don't if, know if I remember correctly, it doesn't sound like a thing. And if I remember correctly. Jack Tunney was, I think, the president or something. Had a high role of the Montreal Territory. Toronto. Yeah, the, the Toronto, Toronto. Sorry. The Toronto area. And I know it's right on that area of Canada that, yeah, Jack Tunney had, was like the, had one of the top figures of the Toronto Wrestling Territory. And I think Dino Bravo was the, one of the top guys in that, in that territory. 
Yeah. When WWF bought it out, they wanted to give Dino Bravo some kind of uh, title to make him seem kind of big. Okay. Because he was like one of the main adventures in that territory. So I think they just came up with that title just to give him something to make him seem more of a legit star than what he was. Sure. So that's, that's what I remember. I cannot source it out to where I heard it from or where I, where I read that from. Nope, that's, that sounds about right. Dino did come from the Montreal territory. You were you were correct when you were talking about Montreal, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Tunney, the Tunney brothers, Frank and Jack, were the owners of the Toronto territory, which was kind of a um satellite of the WWF at the time too. And yeah, Dino was one of their one of the big stars of the of the Canadian territory there. Wow, I know some history, Jack. A little bit. Good job, man. Good job, man. Like I said the other day Meltzer to my Brian Alvarez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Dino tagged out to Axe. Uh Powers tagged out to Blair. I just wrote that Blair has a serious power mullet. Definite '80s power mullet because it's like short, 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 and then just like this poof of curly hair in the back. I am sad I did not have a mullet for your wedding, Beverly Hills. Oh man, so was I. Uh, well, so, maybe for my wedding. I don't think anyone had a mullet at my wedding. I don't think so. No. Disappointed. That's very sad, Gorilla. Why well, I didn't have a mullet? No. Even sad, like Gorilla. Still need to. Renew our vows with me and a mullet. Or they can do some video shop. Or a video shop, some Photoshop. <laughs> or I'll just grow one out for yours. Yes. And yes. I was going to say, you, you have a lot of time since the dirty dog is still pretty dirty. I'm being single. <laughs> so you, yeah. you have a while, Jack. Hey, it's cool, man. When, whenever cool. I ask the lovely lady out... And she says, yes, you will probably be the first person I call or text and say, Beverly Hills, start growing it out, Jack. <laughs> start growing it out, Jack. That's the game plan. And and let you know, I might need to talk to you about uh, picking up Mama D because I've told her multiple, multiple times over all these decades, Jack, that she won't know that I'm dating somebody until I tell her to meet me at a at the church at a certain time <laughs> at a certain day. Church. Oh my god, this is good stuff. Because I told her the running joke between me and Mama D is that she won't know that I'm dating somebody. I tell her, meet me at this church at this time on this day and be dressed up. Oh my gosh, this is probably one of the best segues ever in main event status history, I will say. Yes. So I'll segue that into the next elimination. Okay, do it. Smashed. Smash got smashed out with demolition. And, they, and Smash got eliminated. Oh. When he got smashed by the referee, and his team got eliminated by, at the nine minute mark. Right, he threw the ref out of the ring. That's so smart, Daddy O. <laughs> Hey, can we take a commercial break? Most people have the wrong impression about the World Wrestling Federation. We're a non-violent form of entertainment. Go! We never use sex to enhance our image. As athletes, we understand the importance of being positive role models. We're good at wholesome, 
family. Entertainment. We're trying to make the world a better place for mankind. WWF Attitude. Get it? This, of course, is a segment where viewers try to find mistakes on our show. Now, so far, we've been on the air, what, two years now? Many challengers, zero winners. Nobody has caught us making a mistake. I guess I'm that good. <laughs> well, tonight, a fan with the YouTube handle Dr. Cool Beans thinks that he has caught a mistake. He says it happened during a recent monologue in which I described that night's audience. Hello, Conan. You don't know me, but I know you. And you made an error. In your Wednesday monologue, you described the audience as going to the wrong taping and acting as if they were at a taping for a WWF contest. That was incredible. I think they got fantastic. the wrong show here. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. They think they're at a WWF contest. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Conan, that means that they would be attending a World Wildlife Fund contest. And I don't think they have those. Maybe what you were referencing was the WWE, which is World Wrestling Entertainment. And I don't think Annie approves of that very much. No, she doesn't. Not one bit. Dr. Cool Beans, I've never seen an animal more desperate to escape its master. I... I don't know. There, there's a look on that dog's face that says, I put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> but he still won't let me go. <laughs> Well, guess what, Dr. Cool Beans, if that is your real Christian name? There is. And what kind of doctor are you? Yeah. There is a World Wildlife Fund contest. In fact, we have it booked on the show tonight. Here we go! It's a WWF Battle Royale! Let's get ready to This turtle is turtle is tagging in with a folding chair. Oh, Tiger is in trouble. That guy needs help. This is really tremendous. Oh, look at that. Oh, Tiger needs help. Look at that. It's Seagull with a lead pipe. It's Seagull and Tiger. It's Seagull and Tiger. Seagull and Tiger. I'm sorry, that seagull did nothing to help in that fight. Wasn't it supposed to hit something? Well, it, it was nearby. It was nearby. Yeah. Well, that was lame. Anyway, the challenge still stands. If you think you've spotted an error on our show, report it at teamcoco.com slash haha. I found an error. We will sort it out right here on the air. Let's see if you've got what it takes. Come in, chunk me out of the maestro. Beverly Hills, that's who I want to thug with. Buggy, buggy.
Buggy buggy. Fucking with Beverly Hills. <laughs> and we're back, Jack, from the commercial break. Hope, yes. you guys, hope you guys enjoyed that commercial break. And yes, they did not take a commercial break middle of that match. No, I'm, I apologize. We both needed to uh, use the little boy's room. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's a long one. That's fine since I also use the bathroom, so we're all good in the hood, yo. Awesome. So, okay. Yeah. So just a refresher, Smash from Demolition got eliminated when Smash smashed the referee, or may I say he Jericho'd the referee, got himself and his team eliminated around the nine-minute mark. Right. Uh-huh. So yeah, Brett jumped, Brett jumped right in, hit a pile driver on Dynamite, but didn't get the three. Yes. Sorry, I jumped in on you. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, because I did. I was going to talk about Bret Hart and the Dynamite Kid Hall. One of the oh, notes, okay. notes I wrote down was, it's weird to see Brett and the kid go at it. Okay. At least, at least for me, since I have not, I did not see that many Hart Foundation versus the British Bulldog matches. Sure. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of those either. So yeah, for me, it was just weird seeing those two go at it. Okay. I know one of my next notes for this match was Tito hit, uh, hit the flying burrito on the anvil. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do you have any other notes besides my two notes between? That's between Smash, Smash's yeah. elimination and then the next elimination. I definitely do. I was just looking at the rest of my notes. I apologize. Well, I was trying to buy some time for you, Beverly. Yeah. So Tama came in and looked good, but he uh, he attempted a Vader bomb, missed it. Uh, Martel came in. So <laughs> You're right here with me on Main Event Status right. Radio. Yeah. Here, uh, here on Status.com. Tito came in and tried to do a flying burrito, but uh, Brett made the save there. Um, this is a long section. This actually leads to my most favorite Jesse line when he's like, Gorilla, you have never even talked about my hat that I was wearing. <laughs> it's from my great, great, great grandfather, F from the body. <laughs> he came over on the Mayflower, Gorilla. You can just call me Jesse the Pilgrim Ventura. Jesse, if you're listening to this podcast, as you can easily rewind and note, we talked about your hat at the beginning of the podcast, Jack. (laughs) Ephraim the body. I love it. Love Ephraim the body. Yes. (laughs) So this was was like the longest kind of um, control section. Young Stallions are really getting... Uh, taken to taken to school on this one by really um, all of the heels, mostly the the Heart Foundation, but also a little bit of the uh, um, the Islanders as well. Haku hit some really nice uh, super kicks in this uh, this play this uh, section as well. Um, let's see what else do I want to say? Oh, Jesse kept talking about thumbing people in the eye, and he's like. You're wearing glasses, Gorilla, so that I don't thumb you in the eye. Beverly, I'm wearing glasses for you can't thumb me in the eye, Jack. <laughs> oh, my eye! <laughs> Next time, go for the nose, Jack. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so we're getting closer here. Davey uh, hit, a, hit his press slam on Brett. He pulled in Haku. I thought the Islanders were going to get 
eliminated. They even fooled me because he hit the running power slam on Haku, but Haku kicked out. Um, and that leads us to the next elimination where Tito Santana, or should I say Chico Santana in Strikeforce got eliminated by Jim the Anvil Nightheart by a pinfall around the 12 minute mark. Oh, do the next one. <laughs> do the next one also, because I talked ahead of that one. Okay. I can, I took some notes between this, that elimination, and the next elimination. So I'll pick that up. Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart get in the ring, and I find that to be odd. Oh, wait, I already said that, Jack. Then Jesse put over that there's too much chaos in the match like this, and it's hard to have favorites and underdogs. Uh-huh. I wonder if he's referring to a five-team Survivor Series elimination match or in general, Jack. Okay. The next note I have is a running power slam by the Bulldog to Haku yeah. for a two-count. And he yep. hits suplex, and the kid hits the diving headbutt. Knocks himself silly, because Haku <laughs> is Haku. Yeah, because of racism. Yes. Haku apparently has a hard head, yay. Funny. And, and Haku hit a sweet chin music. <laughs> you have to eliminate Dynamite. I like that. Yes, the Dynamite Kid and the British Bulldogs are eliminated by Haku in the sweetest of chin music around <laughs> the 20-minute mark. <laughs> right on. So the Dream Team jumps in, starts to work on Powers. Um, just a Powers really is getting worked over. Hitman hangs him in the corner. Um, the Bees and Roma try to break it up, but they can't. Um, Powers just won't quit. He keeps tra- uh, trading punches with Valentine. Um, there's a ton. I just noticed that in this match, there's an absolute ton of backdrops and also like a billion... Again, I can't remember the name of this move, so you might have told me, like, hot shots? Or oh. what, what is it called when you, like, the stun put gun? someone over the... Yeah, is that what it's called, where you put someone over the rope with their neck? At least that's what Stone Cold called it when it was his finisher in WCW was the stun gun. All right, they did, like, a million of those. They kept calling them clotheslines, which that obviously isn't the name, but... Yeah, do you have any more notes leading up to the next elimination? Let's see. Uh, Roma hurries up and tries to attack Haku uh-huh. and all that, which was going to mention. The heels do a quick tags in and out, keeping each other fresh, working on the powers. Gorilla mentions that he needs to uh, get out because he's worn out. <laughs> yeah. puts over Brett because he's the son of his favorite wrestler, one of his favorite wrestlers, Dewhart. Let's see, Valentine yep. comes in and tries Tough to put on... Too hard, he calls him. Yes. Valentine comes in and tries to put on the figure four. Empowers uh, Tate into Roma. And does mm-hmm. a diving sunset flip. Oh, yeah, for the pit. Greg Valentine of the Dream Team is eliminated by Paul Roma by the diving sunset flip around the 24-minute mark, Gorilla. <laughs> right on. So then Anvil and B. Brian Blair in... And uh, Girl informs us that An- that uh, B. Brian Blair hits Anvil in the bird basket, which I was not aware that it was called the bird basket, but whatever. Yes, same here. <laughs> Brunzel came and he hit, like, the highest of high knees, which, I don't know, they always talk about, like, old timers. Do you just say the, about- just say the high knee? I did. Or the high knee? Well, that actually leads to the high knee, the, the purveyor of the high knee. Old timers always talk about like booking that you shouldn't have someone do the finisher of another person, and you definitely shouldn't let someone do the finisher of another person if uh, it looks better 
and Brunzel's high knee looks about 40,000 times better than Brudeye's, so he probably shouldn't do it because it makes Brudeye look like crap. Yes. But and especially then when, Br- then when Brunzel doesn't get the pin like he didn't hear, probably shouldn't do it. Yes, but what do you, what do you expect is the brother Brudeye, the guy with no name. Well, Brudeye is a, the, the, the guy with no skill. How about that? Yes. <laughs> so Bret Hart of the Hart Foundation gets eliminated by a rollover pin by Jim Brunzel at the 31-minute mark, daddy-o. <laughs> right. I just wanted to say that this is when the ref's shirt has come completely untucked. He doesn't try to tuck it back in. What an unprofessional man. Beverly, I am happy you got your shirt tucked in for this podcast. When we're here. Hair's good. It isn't like sweaty and hanging out like that guy's is. Because, Beverly, I am happy that both of us are professional here at the Main Event Status Studios in Main Event Status Radio headquarters. Yes, Main Event Status headquarters, definitely. Here at the intersection of Bad Street and Beverly Hills. No, let me rephrase that. Here <laughs> at, the, at the intersection of Bad Street and Sunset Boulevard here in Minnesota. Yes, you got it. <laughs> okay. Um, right, so Brinzel tried a, a sunset flip, but he uh, he doesn't quite get a three. Um, we got a, a huge vertical suplex from Haku onto Brunzel. Still just two. We're really kind of, we, we can sense that it's getting towards the end, I feel. Um, Powers comes in. He throws some punches. He throws another backdrop, a huge power slam by Roma. But Tama makes the save. It's really mayhem in the ring. Okay, you lead us to the finish here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm not even surprised that he really didn't take it. Well, I guess the note I wrote down was one of them, uh, or one of the killer beasts puts on a mask. You know, it was yep. an le- illegal guy, and they score the legal, legal pin with a sunset flip on Tama at the 37 minute mark. It's Mass Confusion, brother. That's the name of their little deal, is Mass Confusion. So the winners are the Killer Bees and the Young Stallions. <laughs> yeah. What, was, what were your thoughts, your rating? Yeah. I rated oh. this match a three stars. Okay. Cool. You know, I, I felt like out of the three matches that we've seen so far, this was, I, in my eyes was the better was a better match. Mm-hmm. I know because obviously these were the tag teams. These were the tag team specialists. So, you know, they they yeah. have more of the chemistry you know, with each other and the other teams to put on a, a great match. And it was yeah, it was very, very interesting to see all these men taking together for a match. Because we will see that again in 88. I don't know how many more Survivor Series, you know, that they had a bunch I of teams. I want to say that might be it. Okay, because I, I just feel like this was interesting, seeing all these teams teaming together, see all this Sea see of Humanity in one ring, taken together, and all out. So yeah, I thought that yeah, I was ready to do this match three stars because I thought this was the best match of the night so far. It, it, you know, it helped fill up the card. You know, because this was the longest match of the night. Yep. And it helped put over the tag team division in the World Wrestling Federation. Nice. I went four and one quarter star. Wow. This was my yep. This was my favorite match. I uh, thought it was great. I thought. You know, it had a ton of different parts to it, and really I loved most of it. Um, just in general, I'm a big tag team wrestling guy. 
Um, and more so, I'm just a, a fan of matches where there's always kind of something happening. And uh, this one really has that. It's a, it's it's a happening, like, Gorilla. Oh, yeah, it was a happening. So I, I liked it a lot, four and a quarter. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, then we go to replay with the match that we just witnessed. I kind of like seeing replays of what we just saw, of the you know, especially you know, putting out the highlights of the match. Right on. Then I can tell that they were going through intermission at this time. <laughs> yep. Because after after this, I paused paused the show on my Roku to see how much longer we have of, the, of this pay per view, and we have an hour long. I'm like, okay, then I checked out Wikipedia, and the main event match was a little over 20 minutes. I'm like... Oh, my gosh, I wish I would have done that. I'm like, I was- <laughs> holy balls, like, what the heck? Like, how, how are they filling this pay-per-view with an extra 40 minutes of, of yeah. what? And I, I, waited way too, I waited way too long before I finally started fast-forwarding. <laughs> which I don't blame you for, because I did take a lot of notes during, during this, thinking that there's a chance you will be fast-forwarding it. <laughs> Which, I guess, you know, it's about time for me to kind of help pick up, pull my way to the podcast for this episode. Which, which well, I'll, I'll, I, didn't, I didn't fast forward through this next thing. Okay. The, the, the Million Dollar Man yeah. Thanksgiving. Just, Jesse Ventura wonders how the Million Dollar Man spends his Thanksgiving. Right. Then we go to a video package with the Million Dollar Man, how he spends this American holiday. Yes. DiBiase tells us the true way to survive. Yeah. Money. Money. It's, it's all the about money. the money. <laughs> Which to me makes sense. We need money to buy things. It's true. Without money, we can't pay our bills and we'd be out on the streets. The dirty, dirty dog economist. That's, yeah. that's your name. Yes. What can I I'm say? I'm going to call Adam. you Adam Smith. Yes. And then we see some video packages. Then we see some video packages of the Million Dollar Man screwing over a bunch of kids on WWF television, on yep. not, not giving them money. Who was your favorite of these challenges? I saw Rob Van Dam. Oh, Very, that, yeah, that one. He he's not on this. I guess yeah. What so? What was his? No, the, him kissing Million Dollars. Million Dollar Man's foot in the ring. Oh, was it? That was him? Yeah. I knew he did one of these. I didn't know it was the foot kissing yeah, one. Yeah, it was a foot, foot kissing one. I remember that. I remember the African-American kid, you know, trying to dribble the ball, and DiBiase kicking the ball after, you know, right before the 15th dribble. And I remember the, that one. The kid looking kind of confused and said, like, okay, what's going on? What am I supposed to do here? And I was thinking, if I was that kid, I will do the same thing. Like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And then he went and cried to his mom. That was yes. my favorite too. I, I would have done. I would have done, done the same thing, Jack. Me too. Oh, I certainly would have. Then uh, DiBiase says, yeah, "Everybody has a price for the Million Dollar Man." And I want to mention, Mister DiBiase, sir. You said everybody has a price for the Million Dollar Man, right? And Mister DiBiase. The main event said it's radio has a price. <laughs> Please contact me for we can talk about how much main event said it's radio costs, Jack. At, at, at Dirty Dog MES on Twitter. At Beverly Hills MES. We are open. Really, any figure higher Mr. than zero. Mr. DiBiase, we want a sponsor. 
We want, we don't want Jimmy John's. We don't want Sonic. I say Jimmy John's. We we don't we don't want you know we don't want Sonic because we don't like Jim Ross. Mr. DiBiase, we want you as our million dollar sponsor. Hey, Nature Box, if you're listening, Bark Box, if you're listening, go for it. We're we, open. We we yeah, are open. Nice. We, we are open for sponsors. <laughs> we you guys know we are starting to take commercial breaks. We're willing to place at your guys's ads in our commercial breaks we're willing to take more commercial breaks for ads jack <laughs> okay heck, heck, heck hold on a second beverly heck, oh, sorry, sorry, if, sorry. if podcast one.com wants to sponsor main event status radio <laughs> just talk to us we're, we're willing to jump on the bandwagon for one podcast a week daddy just hit us up, Beverly at Beverly Hills MES at Dirty Dog MES on the Twitter machine. Let us know. We are looking for sponsors. Fantastic. Heck, heck, Marvelous Mike, I know you're listening. Keithy Baby, I know you're listening too. If you guys want to sponsor us, let Sexy us know. Pat. Sexy, Sexy Pat, Pat, Flying Brian, Speedy Delivery. I'm just saying, Jack. <laughs> Beverly, do you have any other notes? Minnesota. I don't care anybody. <laughs> the state of Canada, the <laughs> country of Pennsylvania, hit us up. Okay, 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 okay. All right. Um, do, you have any, do you have any other notes from the Million Dollar Man's video package? Well, okay. So the only thing I thought the one that was like uncomfortable was the weird one where he had the lady barking yes. on her like all fours. I thought that was weird. I just wrote like. Whenever you get into, you know, like gals doing stuff for men's money, it's kind of icky. It kind of leads, uh, leaves a bad taste to your mouth, and I didn't really like that at all. And then at that point, I just realized that all it was was just like a montage of his other vignettes and stuff, and I was kind of like, oh, come on, get through this. Yeah. Yeah. So after DBS's video package, and now let's go over what we saw so far in the night. Yep. And that, my friend is when I decided to fast forward. Yeah. Because <laughs> my next note was, I wondered how, I was wondering how they padded the show, which yeah. obviously they were. Yep. Just to put over Honky Tonky Man getting himself counted out since he's an Intercontinental Champion. He has to defend his title once every three days, so he's trying to keep himself fresh. Right. And Jesse wanted to talk about the women's match, how both dudes put over the match and how the, and the lady, lady wrestlers, now they're just as good as the mid-card champions. Okay, dudes. Then Jesse, mm-hmm. then Jesse said that he's been searching for the, searching for the red eye flight out of this town because he doesn't like this town, Ridgefield, Ohio. He and he hates it just as much as he hates Omaha. Why? What? Why does he hate Omaha? I don't know. He just said that he's he's been going through his flight book for the next red eye flight out of Ridgefield. Because he hates Ridgefield just as much as he hates Omaha. Oh. Alright. So unless there's some Omaha shows out there with Jesse doing color why he mentioned why he hates Omaha, I don't know. He All didn't right. say it he didn't say it on this show. Okay. Alright. And then they talk about the tag team Survivor Series match. Then I mentioned gee, why are they filling time in now between the tag team Survivor Series match and the mid event? Because duh, they're in intermission. Yep. Let's see, then both dudes put over how this was the first time Andre stepped in the ring since WrestleMania 3. Okay. Then Jazzy Ventura said this is the first time Hogan and Andre will be in the ring together 
same ring together since WrestleMania. Hmm, Doug Governor, you just you guys just mentioned yeah. that this is the first time Andre has been in the ring since <laughs> WrestleMania three. So it also only, think, yeah. So it yeah. only makes sense that this is the first time they've been in the ring together since WrestleMania three, since this is the first time Andre stepped in the ring since WrestleMania three, Jack. Yeah, right. Logic would logic would say. Yeah. And as a logician a philosophizer, you would certainly know all about that. Yes. Then there seems to be an edit in the in the video for the on the network, so I assume it was an intermission. Yeah, yeah. Usually, and I know, like when we watched, I want to say one of the Summer Slams, like yeah, they they do these kind of promo stuff, and then they just like straight go to intermission for like. I would assume maybe fifteen minutes. I don't know. Yeah. And then like yeah, then they'll, they'll come back. Then uh, we go back to Scott DeGeorge. <laughs> what did you write down this time? Scott DeGeorge. Scott again? Okay. Yes. Frankenstein <laughs> DeGeorge Jack. Uh, he's on the Mean Gene. Scott. He's on the Mean Gene platform by the fans. Okay. And I can tell this is towards the end of the intermission since there weren't that many fans, in the, or there were some empty seats. Okay. And also they were trying to get the fans back in for the main event. So yeah. The George was on the Mean Gene platform. He calls out Jimmy Hart in the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, the Honky Tonky Man. Okay. HTM puts over how he was the survivor of the match. That he was outnumbered three to one, and HTM will accept any challenge for his Intercontinental title, even Beverly Hills, <laughs> even the Dirty Dog, even Gorilla Monsoon, even Jumping Jim Ross. Even the fiery baby face from Norman, Oklahoma. Yes, and even the World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan. Honky Talk now even challenges the champion Hulk Hogan, title for title. Brother, I don't think that's the best decision you ever made, Jack. One might say it's not best for business, Daddy O. <laughs> So, I find this intermission to be very odd, since we had three matches intermission and then the main event. I okay. question why not put the intermission in the middle of the card, but whatever. I was, oh, fine, okay. I was fine with this, so. Okay. Then we go to the main event of the night, and Beverly Hills. Yes, get it. Besides drinking this 24 ounces of Mountain Dew Code Red Jack, which I had to make sure I, I'm drinking ounces and ounces of Code Red and Agent, Agent Orange and <laughs> Agent Mellow Yellow for this main event match. Yes, another can for this pay-per-view podcast. Since this is the main event of the night, it is... Andre the Giant, One Man Game, King Kong Bundy, Butch Reed, and the Ravishing Rick Rude, with Bobby the Brain Heating and Slick, versus the World Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Orndorff, however you want to pronounce his last name, Don the Rock Morocco, the Olympian Ken Patera, and the Bam Bammer, the Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow, with Oliver Humperdinck. <clears throat> All right. Would you like to so they go back for the promo with the faces? Can I take this one? Yes, you can. 
Look how hungry they are. Look how hungry the animals they are. I've done all I can to contain them. Mother Nature doesn't have an insurance policy. An animal like Ken Patera or Mr. Wonderful or the Magnificent One, the Fire Brother, the most unpredictable animal right behind me. What you gonna do, Andre the Giant, when we run wild on you? Yes, I put down finally, finally we get the main event. Yep. The heels come out to Ravishing Rick Rude's theme song. Yes. Which makes me happy because Rick Rude is from Minnesota, Robbinsdale, <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah, Robbinsdale, yeah. And I want to ask you about you Rick know Mrs. Hills. Hey, do you know Mrs. Hills wrote for the Robbinsdale paper no. for over a year? No. Yeah, she did. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she did. And I wanted to ask you about Rick Rude's <laughs> Ravishing Tights for the Night. Oh, my God. I have not seen these tights. They were probably pro- before. Probably my favorite tights that he's worn ever. Your favorite? <laughs> Bunch of what? street signs. Oh my god, they were covered in the street signs. They were so strange. They had like a yield sign on his butt. <laughs> yield to the booty. I guess. It's so weird. Which makes me that makes me laugh. <laughs> So strange, so strange. Yeah, then yeah, then how? Yeah, Slick walked out with two of his, two of the guys he managed. Yep, Butchered and Lamegang. Uh, and Bobby walked out with two of his guys he managed. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be Rude and Bundy. Yeah, I, th- I believe so. Yeah, I th- believe yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Oh yeah, because then Andre was Andre with Million Dollar Man at this time, or right around this time. So. Yeah, then uh, Bobby grabs a mic and introduces Andre the Giant, who's walking out to Bobby introducing him with the fans of booing. Yeah. Bobby tells us that Andre is an uncrowned WWF World Heavyweight Champion, and he is mm-hmm. the, our next WWF World Heavyweight Champion, which is true. Yeah. And then, yeah, then we go backstage with Gene Mean with the Hogan promo that you just quoted. Yes. Hogan tells us that Gene Mean, or tells Gene Mean to look at all his partners and see how hungry they are. Mm-hmm. Hogan yep, said that his, his Hogan said that his partners are so hungry that they could eat Andre alive. Yeah. I mentioned that's amazing appetite. That's bigger. Yeah. That's a bigger appetite than what you and I have, Beverly. Whenever we get together and order Domino's pizza. Because <laughs> I did write down. Well, because I wanted to ask you, Beverly, could you okay. and I eat that much pizza? <laughs> yeah. I guess if we were hungry, yeah, we probably can. We could drink that much soda, too. And I'm, I, I'm, sure we could. I'm sure you and I combined can drink as much soda as Andre can drink beer. Whoa. That's a, bi- that's a big portion, man. Do you but, know what you're saying? I know what I'm saying, Daddy-O. Oh, then Gene man. asked brother, everyone... Brother. Gene asked everyone how hungry they are, and they all said that they were hungry. <laughs> Beverly, are you hungry for this main event? Um, I'm pretty hungry for it. The the I was super hungry for the tag team main event or for the tag team match. Beverly, bam, bam comes out first. <laughs> yeah, with the soothing, sexy 
saxophone music. Yeah, I I do not know about that. And so then Hogan comes out with his own entrance, carrying the American flag. Then Ventura okay. tells us that the team captain picks out who starts out the match. Right. Then Monsoon mentions that after that, it's up to whoever they tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, well, you and I can uh, tag team up this this match since I did take a lot more notes for this than I did oh, for three matches. Okay, good, because I don't have as many on this one. Okay, good. Okay, then, well, I can kind of talk about, talk about this, and you can kind of throw in your... Your your input since you you know talked a lot about the other three matches. Sounds great. The brother. Rock and Rick Rude start out the match. Yep. The baby faces seem uh, baby face teams seem to be taking in and out a lot with each other, keeping each other fresh, working yeah. on the heels. Uh huh. Yeah, they kept butch reading butch reading the match, wearing him out. Then Mister Wonderful taking the Hulkster. They double team Reed and Hogan dropped the leg and eliminated Butch Reed. At three, right around the three-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Do you have any notes up to the first elimination, Beverly? Oh, just Patera was looking good. Uh, he was he came flying in. I, I did have a, a note that Morocco is looking just jacked to the freaking gills right here. Yeah, that no don't. Yeah. Uh, and and also this is where I wrote that Rude's why is he wearing pants that have street work signs on them? <laughs> like I said, we got yield to the booty, homie. I guess. So, yeah, yeah, so Hogan came in, dropped the leg. Butch, get out of here! And then the fans seemed to pop after the first elimination, and Andre enters. Well, you see Hogan, you know, just to, just getting to see Hogan is a big deal. Yeah. Let alone getting to see him drop the leg. And according to me and my notes, Andre enters the math, and Hogan was stunned after you celebrated and saw Andre. <laughs> yeah, right on. Then uh, the referee made Hogan get out since he supposedly tagged Campotera into the match. We gave he slapped ten with him. Yes. <laughs> then then uh, Andre walked over and tagged in Bundy since Andre wanted Hogan, not Campotera. Yes. And, it's know, awesome because they like showed Andre. And he just goes, hmm, because oh, <laughs> he doesn't even want to see Campotera. He's just like good riddance, which makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, the Patero starts out with out as a house of fire on Bundy, right? And the Patero take was you know was taken in and out and all that fun stuff and got taken back in. And I heard a faint pop from the crowd when he got taken back in. When who got taken back in? Uh, Patero. Oh yeah, Patero's coming up, coming hot off of this. Uh, you know when he was in jail and then he came back out. Yeah, then uh, yeah, he came in like a house of fire again against a one-man game. Hit him with punches, kicks, and knees. Yep. Now, front face lock from one-man game in the, in the crowd chants, Patera, Patera, Patera. I thought they were chanting, Andre sucks. Well, to me, it sounded like Patera. Uh, well, that would make more sense than mine, because I wrote, that's odd. <laughs> So yeah, that would that would make a lot more sense than Andre sucks. Yeah, then yeah, I'll talk talk about the elimination. Pantera sent him sent well sent him the ropes out of OMG one man game. Okay. They tried to close on each other, and one man game had the win advantage and knocked Pantera down and eliminated him around the eight minute mark. Right, I wrote that Pantera got hit with a fat line. And yes. <laughs> 
It got crushed, and then he pin, got pinned. <laughs> is the fat line better than a Steiner line? Oh, well, I don't know. This was pretty sloppy. Uh, One Man Gang did not look great in this match. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of kind of the stuff that he was doing seemed mistimed, um, kind of seemed off uh, the the just just off off the plan um yeah he he looked kind of just one step back from everybody else yeah then hogan ran in and started to attack omg right away before he got up and nailed him with tons of punches chops in the corner and tagged in the bammer bam bam biglow and the the fans seemed to pop for the bammer yeah oh yeah uh bammer was super over in this one and yeah, I guess I'll talk about the next elimination. Mr. Wonderful, signal for the pile driver. Bundy mm-hmm. nailed him, and Rick Rude rolled him up for the pin around the 10-minute mark. Right. I was sad not to see the wonderful pile driver. Yeah, I know. I was kind of hoping that we could have seen that, too. I guess this, I guess that elimination was kind of like an argument. Yeah, it was. It was an argument. Then, uh, let's see. Yeah, then after that, Rude posed a little bit, and then Don Morocco came in and attacked him, tagged, uh-huh. tagged in the bammer, and the bammer bammed a lot. <laughs> sure. The, Hogan came in and high-kneed him, I assumed, rude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. then they tagged in the rock again, and the rock hit him with a power slam, covered him, and eliminated the ravishing one around the 11-minute mark. Sure, Yes. And I like how the faces kept on quick taking one another when they had the advantage of the match. Uh-huh. And if and it seemed like the match slowed down quite a lot when The Rock and the OMG were in the ring together. I would agree with you on that one. Then The Rock got eliminated by the Big Splash, the 747, by the OMG... Around the 13-minute mark. Uh, well, he hit him with the fat splash, but then he threw him into the corner, and Andre just, like, put up his hand. Just, like, he didn't even punch it. He literally just, like, put his hand up. Stop. Morocco ran into it, and then he fell down, and then Gang jumped on him and pinned him. It did the slingshot splash, which I think was called, according to Wikipedia, the 747 yes. yep. splash. <laughs> that is the 747 splash. You are correct. Yeah, then Hogan and the Bamber jumped in and pushed the rock out, and OMG attacked Bam Bam Bigelow to make him the legal man for the face team. Uh-huh. The Bammer tried to hit a sunset flip on OMG, but OMG sat on him. I wrote down the, uh, the Bundy hit a nice... Sit on him, he sat on him hard. Yes. The Bundy hit a nice clothesline on the Bammer, and the Bammer did a nice bump for him. Okay. Bundy and the OMG tag each other in and wore out uh, the Bammer. Then Ventura speculates that the heels want to triple team Hogan by eliminating Bam Bam Bigelow and leaving Hogan by himself against OMG, KKB, and the Giant. KKB. Then Ventura also mentions that Bundy and Bamber look a lot like twins, but Bamber has more tattoos on his head. And Ventura even speculates that Bundy should get tattoos like Bam Bam, that they can call them the Tattoo Brothers. <laughs> the Tattoo Brothers. <laughs> and yeah, Hogan and Andre tag, got, you know, were, got tagged in with the legal guys for their respective teams. Both dudes chop each other, punch each other. With the roar of the crowd. Oh, yeah. 
The crowd was indeed roaring. Now Bundy pulls Hogan outside of the ring and Hogan follows him with punches. OMG follows him. Hogan body slammed him on the body slammed him on the the ring mats outside the ring. Then uh, Hogan got himself counted out with fighting with the heels around the 16 minute mark. Okay. God, Hogan. Yeah, stupid Hogan. The lost Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fink, take over here. Yeah, the Fink mentioned that the referee that the ref the Fink mentioned that the referee mentioned that if Hogan doesn't leave the ringside right away, he would award the giant the victory. Okay. Since since we all know Hogan likes to heal it up a lot. Yeah, he does. See the Bammer came out a oh, like a house of fire on Bundy. Okay. Bundy uh hit, hit a uh, headbutt, and only got a two count. Bundy hit a nice drop kick and dropped an elbow on Bundy's leg. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, it was ba- the it was a bammer against three heels. Then Bundy missed the splash in the corner and fell over. The bammer hit hit the slingshot and lim- eliminated the KKB around the 18 minute mark. Right on. Yeah, I, again, I thought Bammer looked really good in this uh, this match all around. Yes. Then I uh, see it. Yeah. Then the the KKB got eliminated. Then uh, the OMG ran in and attacked the BBB right away. Not letting him. Win. <laughs> yes. I. That's my quick notes for to make sure I can keep up with everything. <laughs> that's what I do too. Man. Yeah. So yeah, the one man gain ran in and attacked the Bammer right away. Not let him have any kind of advantage on the heels. Okay. The Akeem, the African Dream, sent the Bam Bam into Andre's boot. <laughs> And tried a diving headbutt, but the Bam Bam rolled out of the way, covered him, and the one man again he was eliminated by the Bam Bam Bams, by eliminated by the Bam Bam Bam, by by his stupid mistake around the 21 minute mark. Okay, Beverly, what's your thoughts on the fans going bananas when Bam Bam eliminated two of the heels, making it just him and Andre at the end of the match? Well, I think they kind of thought they were seeing maybe a star being born here. You know, um, one-man gang, though not necessarily huge stars, a big dude, always interesting to, you know, to see him lose. Um, King Kong Bundy, I think, is a, he's still a huge star at this point. Headlined WrestleMania two the year prior. Um, had a pretty key point in WrestleMania three, squashing the little guys. Um, I, I think that... <clears throat> sorry that they, like I said, so thought they were maybe seeing a star being born there. So, yeah, I do think it's cool that they're going bananas. And then Andre hurries up as best as he can and went to work on the Bam Bam. Okay. Andre hits a headbutt and Bam Bam went down. Yep. Andre punches, uh, hits a punch and, and holds the ropes and all that. The Bam Bam uh, was Irish whipped and was caught in the ropes. And he used his speed against, or yeah, caught the ropes to stop it. And he used his speed against Andre, which didn't work out too well. Because Andre uh, tried to splash him in the corner, caught him, rammed him a few times with his butt. Then Andre <laughs> used a butterfly suplex on the Bam Bam and eliminated him at the t- right around the 22 minute mark. So Andre the Giant is the sole survivor. The sole survivor. But before we go into, you know, the ratings and all that. Yeah, I wanted to mention Hogan's heel antics after the match. Hogan Herpin ran down and with the WWF title and tried to use that use that as a weapon against Andre. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote poor sport Hogan comes out. Yeah, I wrote down there. It, it's not a surprise that Hogan had to heal it up at the end and close the show. Yeah. You know, had to chase off Andre and all that and pose and all that. Uh, so the giant and Bobby walk off with their hands raised because by all rights they won and are the sole survivors. Yeah, even though who's left posing in the ring? Yeah, obviously lost, lost Hogan. So yeah, Andre the Giant is the sole survivor. Yes. Beverly. I read this match three and three-fourths of a star. Oh, I gotta be close to you on that one. I think I maybe did da, 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 three and a half. Okay, yeah, because I felt like, you know, this match was what was what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Showed off the main event stars. It helped right. build up Bam Bam, which was yeah. new to the Federation. Yeah, and it was cool that they did it. I was really surprised that they were willing to. Someone and I mean, you know, out comes Hogan at the end, gets his shit in. But you know, I think to even see, uh, to even see Bammer put over a little bit is surprising. Yeah, because yeah, because I felt like when the faces had an advantage, the you know did a lot of quick takes, keeping each other fresh. And when the heels had an advantage, they slowed the match down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is a good showcase of the main eventers for the WWF title pitcher in advanced. A lot of storylines between Hogan and Andre. Yep. I feel like this is a great main event match for the first Survivor Series. So, yeah. So, yeah, then, yeah. Hogan taunts the crowd to his theme song as usual. Yes. And then we go backstage with Gene Mead with Andre the Giant and Bobby. Mm-hmm. And Bobby tells Hogan that he can have Andre... But he has to put a name on the contract. Bobby calls Hogan a poor sport, which is the truth. Yeah, right. And Andre says something I cannot understand. Do you do you catch what Andre I tried to say? No, I didn't catch it. No. Okay. And Bobby said that nobody can beat Andre. <laughs> then we go back to Monsoon and Jesse the Body, and Hogan still opposing to his music. <laughs> so. That was the pay-per-view, Beverly Hills. Yes, sir. Before, yes, it was. Before we go to the main adventure, the jobber in our top five, let's take another commercial break. I'm pretty mad at this Rebecca Black person. <laughs> she just came out with a video, and uh, it's a video called Friday. It's gotten over 30 million hits on YouTube. I'm pretty sure she ripped me off. Because I did one just a couple weeks ago called Thursday. (laughs) Check it out. It's Thursday, Thursday's the day before Friday. The day after Wednesday, two days after Tuesday. Thursday, Thursday, three days out from Monday. A full week from Thursday, a fortnight from the next. Cereal on the cover, you go near the hubcap. Dip in the cup holder, how can I decide? If only my car worked, we could spend today partying, partying, but mostly saying the word partying. Why is there a rhyme here? Why exactly am I here? Did I just rhyme here with here? I am getting out of here. That was a rapper with. 
which makes this a real song. Fun, 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 fun. Oh yeah, check out these new WWF figures. Unleash the lightning power of the tornado. Ridiculous! With Mr. Perfect, you can achieve perfection. Oh, these WWF figures have the power of Hulkamania, quickness, Coco Beware, pounding force of the hammer. New WWF figures. <laughs> Perfect. New WWF figures got the power. Power WWF figures sold separately. Perfect. Perfect. New WWF figures give you the savage power of the Macho Man, guaranteed. The fury of the Hitman. The fire of the Dragon. And the fight of the Bulldog. The Undertaker will bury those stiffs. Not with these WWF figures run wild. Check out those pythons. Sergeant Slaughter's invading. Boston's laying down the wall. It's lights out. New WWF figures got the power. The power of the WWF. It's sold separately, dig it? Oh yeah, new WWF tag team figures. They're out of control. It's the nasty boys and nasty. These folks are really getting nasty. It's Tuesday for the nasty boys. Now what a rush! New WWF tag team figures. It's sold separately. Dig it. And welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the commercials. Hope you support our sponsors, even if they're twenty to thirty years old. Um, or that, or Conan O'Brien. Or oh yeah, or Conan O'Brien. Sorry. I usually take I usually take a nap during the commercial. That's fine. And Cody O'Brien and and, and uh, the WWF toys are amazing. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that leads us to our main eventer and our jobber. You can go first, Mister Dog. Okay. I'll first say who my jobber is. Okay. The World Wrestling Federation World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan, brother. <laughs> Why is that? For getting himself counted out. And all that for being stupid, for chasing the big two stinky stinky heels, <laughs> and having to chase out Andre the Giant with his title belt, using that as a weapon, right. just for he can uh, send the home the fans home happy and take try to take away Andre's spotlight. Yeah, I can't I can't uh, deny that one. My jobber is going to be Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart. His Does he only, man, he managed every somebody in every match, didn't he? He did not have anybody in the main event match. Okay. Close enough. Uh, three three of the four is still good. Correct. He had one in three of the four and the only one that came out I don't know, a little bit on top was Honky Tonk Man, who came out with his uh, uh, title in hand, but yet he lost, Glamour Girls lost, and Heart Foundation lost. So he managed losers in every match. So that's why he's my jobber. My main eventer has to be Bam Bam Bigelow. As we mentioned, sure. you know, he outsmarted two heels in the main event when it was just him, you know, trying to hang out, hang out with Andre at the last minute or so of the match. And him, it seemed, it seemed like WWF was trying to build him up during this time to be possibly maybe the next the w, maybe the next WWF champion. Sure. Or at, or at least a legit contender for the WWF title. When, mm-hmm. Whenever yeah, whenever good. whenever the Hulkster loses the title. Yeah. I'm I was he came out pretty strong. Alright. My main eventers, I am splitting between four people. <laughs> That's fine, Beverly. 
two tag teams. My main inventors are the Jumping Bomb Angels and the Young Stallions. Fair I enough. thought they were um, very underrated. They both, I think, carried their respective matches. They looked great. They were doing great moves. They, the Young Stallions sold. They had all of the sympathy was on those two folks. Um, and you know what? This is probably the only chance I'm ever going to get to name either the Jumping Bomb Angels or the Young Stallions as the main eventers. So <laughs> might as well do it now. Fair enough, because I feel like the same same way with Bam Bam being named yeah. as a main eventer. You know, I don't can't really think of that many other shows that Bam Bam was highlighted like he did for this pay per view. Right. Okay. I agree. So yeah, we might as well go into our top five of the list. And yeah, you, know, you and I were kind of talking back and forth through emails yeah. this week about the, what the top yeah. five of the list is. And we agreed to one of your ideas. So do you want to tell us, tell the listeners what the top five is for this episode? Well, okay. So Mr. Dog came up with an awesome top five. So awesome. So freaking splendiferous, fantastic, that I want to commit an entire special cast to it. So we're going to hold off on that fantastic, awesome top five idea because I actually want to talk more than just, you know, 30 seconds per each one. So I love that one so much that we're going to push that one off. So I thought, have a little fun. We're into November. We're into Survivor Series, Turkey Day Night. So we're talking top five Thanksgiving foods. Do you want me to start, or do you want to start, Beverly? Oh, you started off. Yeah. My number five is mashed potatoes. All right. Because, totally yeah, because, you know, for whenever I have Thanksgiving meals with, you know, just my immediate family or my extended family or friends, one of the things I always have to grab is my mashed potatoes. Because, <laughs> you know, because besides French fries, Mashed potatoes is is my number two favorite potato product. Hey, don't spoil it. We might do top five potato products at some point. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) But mashed potatoes is my number five, Beverly. Especially especially with with especially with hot steamy butter on top. Ooh, okay. I was just gonna ask you, are you a gravy guy? No, I'm not a gravy guy, but I'm a butter guy. Okay. And I I'm surprised to find another guy who's not a huge gravy. I, it seems like everybody I know is all about the gravy. And I like to mix my mashed potatoes with my number four. Oh, well, let's hold on. <laughs> my number five is on the sweet side, but oh, oh no, 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 not pumpkin pie. Sweet sapphire? Wait a minute. No, pecan pie is Ooh. my favorite. That is my favorite. Of the pie varieties. My sister makes a lovely pecan pie, and we enjoy it every Thanksgiving. So my number four, I teased it a little bit, especially with my mashed potatoes. That is, I love my corn. Ooh, interesting. Because I, you know how I mentioned I like hot butter. Stevie. Steamy butter on my mashed potatoes. I also like to mix it mix it in with my corn, just for the you know for the texture of the butter, the corn, the mashed potatoes all being together. 
and plus it's a vegetable, Jack. <laughs> I like my corn with my Thanksgiving meal. Awesome. All right, man. My number four is also a vegetable product. It is <clears throat> green bean casserole, brother. Yes, love the beans. I like the little sauce. Sometimes it's got the mushrooms. It's got the crispy onions on top. Green bean casserole. Sounds beautiful. My number three isn't a potato, isn't a corn, and is not a vegetable. Oh, okay. It's a certain kind of jelly bean, Daddy-O. Jelly bean? It's a starburst jelly bean. <laughs> Tell me about how this fits into the Thanksgiving food category. I'm, re- I'm re- actually interested. Because it's a dessert. Okay. It's candy. It's sweet. And I usually always, kind of like Jim Ross's candy jar in the year 2000, I always have a little Tupperware container full of Starburst jelly beans in my room most of the time, Jack. Oh, that's awesome. And I just like to have a couple sweet, sweet jelly beans after a meal to top off a great meal with a little bit of sweet. You're awesome. Okay, my number three. This is the main event status podcast. The main event status of Thanksgiving. However, it's only my number three, and that's the turkey. You gotta love the turkey, but it's still not my favorite. It's just in the middle. I like it in my middle, Jack. (laughs) A lot of my middle is made up of turkey. Yes. (laughs) My number two is Mama D's homemade buns and or bread. I can't believe I forgot that one. Sorry, go ahead. That's fine. But yeah, I love bread. It would kind of like with my mashed potatoes. I like the hot, steamy butter on my bread. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it makes it that much more tastier, especially going into my mouth, down my throat, into, into my belly. You, you're making this lewd. You're a lewd Thanksgiving. You're gross. Oh, what can I say? Okay. <laughs> you're done. Number two for me, not being gross, <laughs> individual. My number, and you know what? You probably make this soon. My number two, <laughs> stuffing. <laughs> who, who do you want to stuff? I always like, shut up. I always <laughs> stuffing. It's good. If you. <laughs> God. It's, whatever. I'm done. Stuffing's over too. <laughs> Pod, pod listeners, now you guys know why Beverly Hills and I only lived together for a semester. Because <laughs> you're lewd and crude. And whenever I walked into Beverly Hills' room, I would start laughing really bad and he would kick me out. He locked, dead both his room. Yeah, there's a reason there are locks on those doors. To keep me out. <laughs> a couple minutes, right. couple minutes later, you would uh, aim chat me and tell me to come back. <laughs> Only if you were done being crazy, which you normally you normally didn't last for that long. Yeah, I know. And then I had to kick you out again. All right, tell me your my, number one. My number one was your number three, Daddy O. Mine's turkey. Oh, nice. Like you said, that the meat is the main event status of the meal, the main eventer. <laughs> so it has to be my main eventer at my top five Thanksgiving foods. All right, my number one. 
Probably not a number one on a lot of people's list. My number one is the cranberries. Mama Beverly Hills makes the best cranberry relish ever. She chops it up. She's got a little orange in there. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Love Beautiful. it. Put it on top of the turkey. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess that is our top five. <laughs> Indian. Top five we've had, yeah. Indian. The the month of first, I guess the five weeks of first. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's even better. The five weeks of first. So yeah, we ended the five weeks of first, covering you know first nitro, first clash, first raw, first smackdown, first Saturday night's main event, and the first Survivor Series. And we liked this so much, Beverly Hills. Should we spoil what we're going to be doing next? <coughs> sure. We will be discussing the three weeks before. And the show of WCCW where the famous Freebird angle happened with Ric Flair versus one of the Von Erich brothers for for the NWA title inside the steel cage. Yep, so we're going to go back to 32 years in a couple months here. That's uh, December 1982 is what we're looking at. So we'll be discussing the three weeks build-up of TV up to the NWA Steel Cage match between Ric Flair. Was it Kerry Von Erich or Kevin? Yes, Kerry. You always get those two confused. So, yeah, was, so we'll be discussing that four weeks of television of WCCW. So, yeah, three weeks before building up to it and, the, and that match. Yes. So that, sh- that should be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I definitely am excited, too. Beverly, do you have anything to... Any last comments or memories of... The very first Survivor Series. I don't think so. Just Ephraim the body. Okay, then, yeah, then I very, very enjoyed Jesse Ventura's Pilgrim hat. Yeah, it was good stuff. So, yeah, you know, you can guys can check us out on our website, maneventstatus.com. That's maneventstatus.com. You can listen, listen to our episodes there and all that fun stuff. You can find us out on iTunes. Search us out in the library, Main Event Status Radio. We're up there. We want to beat the Ross report. We want to tie up with the Stone Cold uh, podcast and all that. We want to type with Takis Jericho. We want to beat them, but first we want to beat the Ross report. So yeah, search us out on iTunes. Write and review us. Tell us how how you like the show. You know, be honest with us. Give us a rating. We would greatly appreciate that. You know, find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash main event status radio. That's all one word. Facebook.com backslash main event status radio. You can also find us on the Twitter. Beverly, how can they find you on the Twitter? <laughs> At Beverly Hills M E S. And for me, it's the Dirty Dog M E S. Dog as in D A W G, Dirty Dog M E S. So, yeah, if you want to be a sponsor of the podcast, search us out there, talk to us. We can strike up a deal. <laughs> Love it. For Mr. Beverly Hills 90210, I am the Dirty Dog. We'll catch you guys down in Dallas. <laughs> Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I like that. that's fantastic. That is our show. That-